and welcome everybody, one and all, to the Monster Movie Podcast with friends. And um, still, I once again, I forgot to write an out. I forgot to write an intro. So, shoot, bang! Zach's out of town. What did I so, tell you? You come out here. what did I tell you? You come out here. You regurgitate wood. Talking about Vegas. Just come out of here with your not with your non intro. Embarrass my friends. <laughs> oh, you take this outside. You want to take this outside in the tree? Because that's from the movie. Wait a second. It's, it's my Boston <laughs> accent. I'm having a really hard time staying in character. Yes, Zach is Zach is um, uh, out of town. Out of town. <laughs> yeah, I did not die, but he's no longer with us temporarily. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Nothing. Be- nothing. Uh. Black magic can't fix. Um. It's a black magic, Zach. And trust me, I would know. Um. What? What? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> you know. You know black magic. No, I um, think it's because he's black. Oh. So any form of magic that he does will be. Yeah. Black I'm sorry, magic Alex. Is- I'm sorry that I'm not a Latino like you. Thanks. I uh, as a as a I'm very fine. white looking Latino, it's one of my favorite things when someone's like, "Oh, you're a Latino. You don't even you look good. You don't even look it. You look great." Nice. Anyway. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, oh, thank you, man." Um, not a lot of news aside from Michael Keaton may or may not be Batman again. Uh, did, he, it seems like, yeah. I did hear that he's reprising his role as Jack Frost. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, yes, we get to learn more. Is it? No. He comes back again. <laughs> this time it's 20 it's years six, later. It's a six episode run of just Michael oh King. It's a mini series. That's yeah. hilarious. Oh my guys, god, guys. Yes. Guys, what if every what if it's like a six episode Netflix thing or HBO Max thing, and it covers every other season? Like for example, Halloween, he's a jack o' lantern. <laughs> he's a turkey. Jack Frost the lantern, and then he's a turkey. Jack o' lantern turkey. Jack turkey. Jack turkey. Wait. Oh turkey. no! What, what's that? What's that? What's that thing that you put on the table during Thanksgiving that holds all the fruit? A bowl? Basket? No, no, it's like a it's like a gourd or something like that. It's like a thing. It looks like a basket, but it's like it looks like a basket. giant ice cream cone. Jack uh, ice cream cone. <laughs> God. For spring, he's Jack Egg. He's a, he's a firework on the fourth of July to end anyway. <laughs> you gotta like me, son. Oh my god. Turns into a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> this starts murdering people. Guess what? He's the killer Jack Frost Snowman and the killer leprechaun. <gasps> that Rise of the Guardian sequel just went really out of control. Um, oh, wow. Like crazy. <laughs> Michael Keaton plays everyone. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like uh, that uh, Dr. Doolittle, uh, Eddie Murphy one. He just plays everybody. Yes, That's he gets the wrong more he gets more plastic surgery on his lips and plays his own son and his wife and the fat British guy. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Other than that, there's not really a whole lot of news. Not movie news. <laughs> not movie news. Other things took precedent in terms of news as of late. So anything yeah. that has come out, you know what? I'm going to be honest today, guys, and I and I urge you all to look this up because I don't think it's real. I think it's very funny. If you go on Twitter right now, it is treading that Army Hammer is a cannibal that owns sex slaves and drinks human blood. I don't think it's real, but it is certainly as of right now, no okay. joke trending on Twitter. I'm dating. Of all people, Army yes, Hammer. Army Hammer. I was watching Social Network last night. Where should I look up? Hashtag Army. Dude, go to trending. Just go to trending on Twitter. You know, I don't know how to use Twitter. Okay, here it is. Uh, looks like you're full of it. No, yep. dude. Go, go to trending. Go to search. Go to trending. Army Hammer is uh, Let's see here. I went to trending. I literally saw this two hours before. Army Hammer, here we go. Yep. Is. I don't think oh this is. Oh my real. god. I don't think this is real. This cannot be real. What the hell? This, these are messages. Oh my god. That just made me this so can't... hard. It makes me confused as to what. Do you want me to read this, Chris, or not? No, no, no. no Let me no, find this myself. No. Do not read this. Do not read this, Peter. It does not. It, no, don't read them. They Wait, get back. Should I, re- I, should I read it out loud or just not read them in general? No, don't read them out loud. Don't read okay, them out I'll, loud. I'll, read them, I'll read them in loud. In your head. Can you hear me? Watch. This is the. Okay, so. The, this, <laughs> oh, he's DMing people. Hang on. But hang it's on. DMing real. random Guys, people. It's what, it's what. Yeah, it's not real. It can't be real. I am 100% a cannibal. I want to eat you. What the hell? <laughs> That's scary to admit. That's the news. That's what's going on. That's, that is entertainment news as of right now. Because the, the normal last, news as of right now is crazy. The last tweet he made... The uh, last tweet he made was on January 6th. So... It has been three days since he has last been spotted. Think of all the people he's ate in that time. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought you were genuinely joking. No. no. You can't Why make this shit up. Of all the things that we have made, we've made up on this program. Actually, yes, we could make that up. That's very true. The, this is... This has to be a joke, but it is trending now. I'll admit I that. think he got hacked. Uh, it's hard like, to You can easily Photoshop his. You don't even have to Photoshop. You can make an account with the same profile and then just Photoshop in the name with the little check mark. Like, that's it. That's all you need to do. Like, anyway, I thought you guys would get a kick out of it. No, oh my like, God. Okay. So many conversations he's had with multiple people. I'm just no. reading new stuff right now. So here's my thing. It's like a lot of people like will like like okay, an account of a celebrity will tweet something, right? And like, like something like just like a bad take. And like they'll be like or like they'll like their nudes will leak. And then they'll be like, "Oh, my account was hacked." Like this guy is threatening to like what the hell? I Yo, don't 
do you want me to F out your mouth? I just oh. killed a guy. Yeah, see, that's why I don't think that's real. <laughs> you don't admit that stuff freely and then be like, I'm so scared to admit that. Like, none that of this does look Photoshop, like, though. That does look Photoshop, I'm just though. saying, like, it's, it's so easy to do it. I mean, it's also just as easy to back it and say no, this isn't it. God, the guy from Social Network and Call Me By Your Name is calling girls, treating them like sex slaves and, and begging for their blood, admitting he's a cannibal. Come on. Of course it's him. <laughs> I think... Of course. Alex, you may want to check your uh, your uh, check bushes search. there for any missing shrooms. Huh? No. I think you want to check no, your... I ate, I ate those. I ate those. Are you then sure I, that you got I, all I, of them? I, then I, am I sure that I ate all three grams oh, plus nine more God. grams at the same time? Yes. Dude, yes, you absolutely. Kill yourself. No, I'm just going to freak out a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah four days a bit, ago, probably pick a lot. Army Hammer tweeted something four days ago, and he hasn't tweeted anything since. Hmm. I don't know what's going on, but I saw that right before it happened, and I was like, that's not real, but that's fucking crazy. Just gonna... Also, it, also like, his profile picture kind of fits that description. Yeah, that's not helping, is it? It's not helping. Guys, do you think he wants to drink our blood? What if this is real? And we're just like, do you think this is real? <laughs> no, dude. First, it's not real. I'm what if he lost a bet? Like, he lost, like, <laughs> he lost a bet. That'd be so funny, dude. Oh, this um, is all just a like, bit. That's all. <laughs> oh, man. I just want, I just want to see the next tweet and be like, guys, what the hell are you talking about? Like, it's just the, like, one sentence. He's like, what? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I feel obligated to turn this into a running joke. Uh, um, yes, because it's not serious and it's not real. I have right. no problem with the <laughs> continuous joke that Army Hammer is also in this tree with me. Army, you want to come over here? <laughs> ah, he's shy. He's shy. He's just drinking my blood. And uh, we'll run that into the ground as far as we can. You know, he's just calling me by my name over here, creating a little social network. This lone <laughs> ranger. <laughs> hey, my God, guys. He was in the Lone Ranger, and the villain in the Lone Ranger was a, a was a cannibal that ate people's hearts. Oh my God! Turns out, Army Hammer actually played Tonto instead of Johnny Depp. You actually, they actually just swapped oh, it. Guys, he's still just method acting. But he didn't play that part. Somebody else did. I think he tried out for that part and is still methoding for well, the sequel. You know, method is method. You know, who's to? You know, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you believe it, which I don't, but speaking of crazy, our, uh, just to check in on something, uh, Surfer Teen Confronts Fear is still not on streaming. Gosh, darn it. That deserved it. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to. God damn it. I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) Come on. Dude, oh, <laughs> that really does annoy me, dude. Get it out there. Get it out. You know, it's the really theater experience. Cool, you know? If it, you're not Chris <laughs> Nolan, man, just stop holding on. Oh, man. 
If he holds it on and it becomes a massive hit and I'm wrong, I will eat my words as long as I can just see it in a crowd again. <laughs> well, it turns out that Chris Evans himself follows Army Hammer, so he is also a cannibal by default. Oh, Cannibal America! Also, is this like Amanda? that? Is it like that sex cult that that one? Uh, this is cannibal. Like that one uh, Smallville actress started. Oh, I mean, that's dead now. That's not still going. So it's like probably no. another one. Probably a whole other one. There's plenty. I'll give you a list. I'll give you a list, give you a list of, my of my faves. Um, other than that, yeah, interesting. I don't do that either. Yeah, that we're gonna have to keep an eye on this as it unfolds. Um, I'm here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I am going to. That's one of my favorite things you've ever said in my life. We're gonna keep an eye on this as a. Uh... It unfolds. <laughs> I'm gonna um I'm gonna I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch his Twitter I'm gonna watch his Twitter account. Yeah to see if he Twitter. tweets anything. <laughs> All he has to do is say that he got hacked and I'll believe him. No, it doesn't even have to Or if he lost a bet. What if he's legit like guys look, I don't think I'm not a cannibal, but I'm into vampirism and I like like to be a dominant. So, what's Who wrong cares, with that? I just, man. Yeah, exactly. If he openly said that and the world did not king shame him and he still got to work, um, then probably there's Satanists in Hollywood. <laughs> well, I mean, he shouldn't be like messaging people and making them uncomfortable. That we can agree on. No, but yeah. some of the messages. No, there's one message where of uh, he hits him up and they're like, "Yes, Daddy," and he's like. Hey, I want to do this. And they're like, anything for you, Daddy. He's like, oh, you're so great. You're so nice. I think I'm a cannibal. I'm so thankful for you letting me admit that. And I'm like, none of this is real. None of this. You're a little quiet. Whoever, whoever wrote this is fan fiction, and you can tell. It's very um, uh, bamboo yeah. under the fingernails, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying. Chris knows what I'm talking about. Ooh. I don't. I really don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Anyway. Um, so. Yeah, how do we segue this? Like, just. What, what did you guys watch? <laughs> oh, okay. Nothing. <laughs> Except this. Except our movie really? tonight. Except right. You didn't watch anything now? No, I didn't. I'm um, so sad for you. I love watching stuff. Um, so Peter, Peter, do you want to go? No, you go first. All right. Um, <laughs> I watched a bunch. We watched a bunch of animated afterlife movies. Anime. Animated. And um, the one weeb. that I like. I'm sorry. I called you a weeb. Oh man, that hurts. Somebody else, because I thought it was a compliment. And I we I think <laughs> out of my favorites that we watched. Um, I'll get to some of the other ones, but my favorite of the ones we watched was Book of Life, and I haven't had never seen it. it. There are some similarities to Coco, but it's an in, entirely different story, and I think it's really good. And I liked all the characters in it, and I, it just held my attention the entire time. Didn't care about its flaws. I genuinely enjoyed it the way I would um, 
the movie we watched tonight or about time it was genuinely charming um we watched soul as well yeah. and i liked it i didn't love it you and i did not say i hated it i did i just i think soul has some interesting new messages that i haven't seen in other films but also kind of have i i think it 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 specifically talks about how people view success and achievements in life and how those goalposts are not the definitions of happiness. And that if you don't feel fulfilled after them, that that is how life works. You, you are not driven by your passions. But then there's also this other message of like, I guess to a certain extent, it talks a little bit about how to get someone out of depression, but more so I feel like it's stop and smell the roses. So having watched About Time and having watched It's a Wonderful Life so closely to this uh, Christmas Carol as well, several versions of the Christmas Carol, um, stories of people seeing their life differently or how life could be truly lived and then coming back and being like, I I fucking love everything. Like, I'm going to prison. Awesome. Take me to prison. I love life. (laughs) (laughs) I want a Pixar movie that ends like that. Well, I, that's actually a reference to something uh, that I really love. And uh, it, it, those movies, in my opinion, do what Soul is trying to do better. I think they say what that's trying to say better. But I also think that those movies are made more so for adults or at least families. Certainly It's a Wonderful Life and I think to a certain extent about time. I mean, they say fuck all the time about time. So it is a rated R movie. Uh, this is for kids. And it also goes by the Pixar template. You have the straight person, you have the funny person that these two unlikely friends uh, band together to go on an adventure and there's a ticking clock somewhere. It also goes by the same kind of, we're going inside the body of someone um, uh, kind of concept of inside out. There's a lot of familiar things that they hope were going to get you to enjoy this. But for me, they were kind of barriers because they laid they laid the story bare for me. I was like, okay, it's another Pixar movie. Okay, they're, you know, you're seeing them as, like, different things the way you would in Inside Out. Kind of looks like Inside Out. Um, but what they tried to say wasn't anything necessarily new or different or something you can't get out of a better adult movie. For me, the best Pixar movies are the ones you watch as a kid, learn as a kid, then grow up as an adult and get something else out of it or understand that that's a lesson you need to still learn as an adult. That's why I love Inside Out. Inside Out teaches kids that it's okay to be sad, that it's okay to befriend someone who isn't happy all the time, that it's okay to like not judge someone for dwelling in their sadness from time to time, that depression is common and people should not feel guilty for that. And then as an adult, you should certainly learn that too. And that's not something that's in a lot of films, certainly not children's films. So it's something that kids and adults need to learn. You can watch it as a kid and grow into an adult or watch it as a kid with your adults and everyone learns something both now and in the future. That's why I love Inside Out. It says Aww. something different. It says it in an interesting way. I don't think Soul says anything different, but that's not bad. It's just I was watching so many other better movies that say this better at this time of year because it is the season. So when I watched Soul, I was like, yeah, okay, you know, Christmas Carol. It's a wonderful life. Got it. You know, he, he didn't enjoy his life. He sees it differently now. Now he's, now he's happy. I get it. I And at the same time, that like I need time away now before I go back. And with that being said, I thought it was very funny. I loved Tina Fey. I loved Jamie Foxx. I thought it was 
beautiful and I saw it on a great TV. It was gorgeous. It was it was fucking gorgeous. That I wish Inside Out looked like this, the way I wish this had the thematic residence of Inside Out. If it did, it would be the perfect Pixar movie for me. Like once they nail that, I'll be the happiest person in the world. And they've gotten close. I feel like Wally maybe the my I think that's the best Pixar movie in my opinion. But not necessarily my favorite. But I yeah. think they if they combine the like the look of where they're going now with what they did in Inside Out, we'll see. And I don't maybe Inside Out was just a fluke. Maybe it'll just never happen again. And I'm perfectly perfectly <laughs> fine with that. But I feel like for this for the movie Soul their their focus was technique and look and reality and telling a I guess you could say family adult I wouldn't say adult but human story for kids. I mean it's he's it's just a guy. The main character is a forty year old like guy and the twenty two is technically a lot older than that dude. Like it's it's interesting who who was this movie made for I, I i ask myself sometimes and i don't think that's a bad question to ask for a movie that is genuinely very great it's very great um you forgot the one defining trait of a pixar movie and that's big mom butts big mom butts yeah yeah man that's true i love my big mom but then again any booty were there any big booties in uh in in Seoul, I really did not notice. Probably his mom. <laughs> oh man, she's like yeah, I, I seventy. <laughs> well, oh, she was not seventy. I don't know, but yeah, she, she, was, she was like a hundred and twenty. She was like hundred fifty. Uh, and I, no, <laughs> she probably had a big mom butt. She had a mom butt. Um, that'd be my guess. I haven't seen it in a bit. Uh, and then I also watched a movie called Kajillionaires last night, and I. Loved it. Loved it, you guys. I've heard about this for a bit. It's like it's a con artist movie. It's about this there's these two parents and their daughter, and they're a con family, but they're like a skeezy con family. They're like mm-hmm. check for quarters in a phone booth kind of skeezy. Like any, Ooh. any, any dollar, any penny, anything at all. Um penny, and they that's the way except they're terrible parents they're horrible parents they're awful parents Mm -hmm. to this daughter the daughter is played by westworld's evan rachel wood by the way i fell in love with her character through her performance evan rachel wood is so weird and so good but i my heart broke for her so much but the movie is about how a woman comes into their life who is basically like a party frat girl kind of a thing but like that's her attitude she's actually a genuinely nice person she sees what they're doing to this girl and she tries to get her out of that relationship while at the same time being a really kind of funny weird awkward cringy genuinely heartfelt movie at least to its characters it feels for its characters but it's also a lesbian romance and i loved it i loved it loved it Fucking love it. Highly suggest. That's it. Okay. Oh. Peter, what'd you watch? Well, I watched all the uh, animated movies that, not all of them, but most of them that Alex did for our other podcast. Um, 
Besides that, and Goodwill Hunting, I forgot to mention that I finished. Maybe I, did I forget to mention? I don't know. I finished. No, uh, you did not. I did not. I finished Daredevil. So that was that was a Dude. big thing for me. Oh my yeah. god, season three. I know it was the height of everything, and it's. I'm just bummed that it's. It's not there. There's no other seasons. It's just that. But that was a pretty epic season, you know. And it, it did they know that they were being canceled while they were making the third season? I think yes. at some point later on in the episode, like later on in the season, in season three, like I think it was. I think I think it, now that I look back on it, I think it was obvious because, like, yes, based way, on how it ended. Yeah, I was gonna say that that was a big coincidence. If everyone ended all happy, they're all together, they're cheersing, you know they. They're just talking, being friends again. I'm like, this is like a real, real ending. So it made me think they, that they, they knew. They and knew. Um, such a uh, shame. It, it, here's the thing. I would say, are you gonna are you gonna watch Defenders? No. Are you gonna watch <laughs> Punishers <laughs> seasons? Uh, I watched the first Punisher season. I do want to watch that. I do want to get into that again. Are you gonna watch any of the other ones? Probably, most definitely, absolutely not. <laughs> here's, what I would, here's what I would suggest. If I would defend any of them, any of the other ones, I haven't seen Punisher. I've seen enough to Luke Cage to know that like he was good, the world was good, and the soundtrack was great, but the villains were terrible, and it shits the bed at the end. Don't even fuck with uh, Fist. Um, Jessica Jones. Not bad. Legit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They mentioned her at the end of the at the end of the series. Come here, Jessica. Yeah, Legit. I might I might get into that. Okay, so here here's what I'm gonna say to get into it to help you get into it. A the difference between this and the other ones is it's a film noir. She's a private detective, um, which is awesome. And then the other element is she is super strong. And she is trying to get over her ex-boyfriend, who was a massive serial killer, like on a super evil level, who had the ability to use to, uh, to control anyone, anyone he wanted with his mind. And he oh, would use her to do evil God. things. And he's I'm telling you, dude, it's as simple as he sees you, and all he has to do is flick his finger, and you are walking in traffic, and you are dead. He is that evil. He is that easy to control people, and she is terrified of him, and it all becomes a metaphor for domestic abuse uh, relationships and people getting over that and healing over abuse. Dude, Jessica Jones, not bad. Sweet. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give that one a watch. I do – off air on the last episode, we were talking a lot about uh, – um, Attack on Titan and maybe some yes, other animes. Right. Yep. So uh, that was off here, but I'm going to get back into Attack on Titans. So that's something that I will watch, and I guess now Jessica Jones, I will watch. And, well, if uh, you're going to go for Attack on Titan, and Chris is, hasn't watched it yet, I've always wanted to watch it as well. I'm I'll keeping probably... my eye. I'm keeping my eye on Attack on Titan. If it ends the way Zach promises it'll end, then I will more. I'll probably give it a shot. I've seen enough from the show to know it can get absolutely fucking gross in the best way possible. Like, yeah. gross, and I'm totally about it. Um, and this ending sounds promising. The other, the other thing is I only really know two other animes, and those are Cowboy Bebop 
which is Cowboy Bebop, and then Fully Cooley. So I would say, Peter, absolutely, I put laying this on the table. One of my favorite shows of all time. It's six episodes long. It's called FLCL. It was the first anime I ever watched, and. I remember thinking, this is what anime is? I'm so excited. And then I looked it up, <laughs> and it was like, it's the, it's the most opposite, different anime ever. It's the, everyone's like, this is the weird one. And I was like, I fucking love it. It's, dude, it's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Write, write that down for me. I'm too lazy to do it myself. I'll, set, I'll send it to you. But it's okay, like, all right, cool. FL, FLCL, six episodes. It is fantastic, oh, but fantastic. it is not like any other animes. It's ooh, they they made some sequel series. They made a sequel to it recently, and they made like I think twelve episodes, two different seasons. I watched the first one. It's okay. It's not for me, and yeah. I know, that. and that's why I don't want to be too hard on it. And I haven't seen the second one yet, but the first one is always there. It's perfect. It's awesome. I love cool. it. It's an entire. It. It's like an entire evening. It's fantastic. Nice, nice. Um. Besides uh, movies, I I was helping a friend move, so uh, I had to I had to get my human clothes back on for that one. Um, but when we were taking a break from moving, we couldn't decide what to watch on Netflix. It was, you know, it's like opening a fridge. Your fridge is full of food, but it's all like condiments, and there's just like bread. Maybe there's like half a tub of ice cream, but it's like poop flavored or something. But your fridge is stocked up. It's stocked up entirely. But there's you're just like, eh, I don't want it. And you just keep opening the fridge and shutting the fridge, opening the fridge, shutting the It's the same thing in that fridge, but you just keep opening it and seeing maybe there's something different. Maybe something will appear that I want to eat that's in there. No. So we were doing that on Netflix for like 30 minutes. And I was like, dude, oh, my God. Let's just, just pick something. And so we're like, all right, Netflix has this feature called Shuffle. So you'll just hit that thing. And it will give you something random. It'll give you a TV show. It'll give you a movie. I guess that's the only options. But that's 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 <laughs> what it does. And uh, Supernatural started playing, and we're like, "All right, okay." And then four episodes later, we were like immersed, and we're like, "Oh my god, I want to know what happens next." But we still we had to keep doing stuff. But uh, so I got four episodes into Supernatural, and I was pleasantly surprised. I, I mean, of course, it's fifteen seasons, and it's still going, right? No, um, I'm going to say this right now. Zach A is a huge fan and would defend that and would would have loved to have been here to defend it. But I'm going to say this. My sister loves this show. Mom the loves fans, it. So at a certain point, I will say, I, at a certain point, and the fans even admit it, this show kind of ended and then it kind of restarted again. And then it just became one of the most fan service shows around because you could tell, <laughs> tell that everyone on set, everyone who made this show, Loved going to work. It's 15 seasons long because they basically just defended the right to go to work for 15 years. It is contagious, I think. And the reason the fans stayed so long is because you can feel that. So regardless of whether you think the show is corny or weird or whatever, I think at a certain point you enjoy it because they always enjoyed making it. They never wanted to stop, and they stopped this year. Oh, makes sense, though. (laughs) Oh, wait, in 2021 or 2020? No, 2021. Oh, I'm wow. sorry, 2020. It, it was 2020. It was last year, but, like, it just, like, this fall, this Dang. TV season. They had yeah. to push it. 
I, I liked it. I thought, I mean, of course there's some things that are cheesy, but you're going to get that. Uh, I, I, I like that. I mean, just with the four episodes in, you like the problem gets solved at the end of the episode, like for five minutes, it's like, it's good. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And there's one that, uh, I, I think it was the third episode where it was like the lake, this kid in a lake was drowned as a, like years and years and years ago and all the people that he's trying to uh get back at because he's he's like a part of the lake now like his spirit is in the lake so he's drowning people through like pipes and stuff and he's trying to get back all at the childhood friends that drown him accidentally That's right, drown him. uh and so then um yeah like two families died a guy sacrificed himself, and at the end, they're like, "All right, we thought we solved it." <laughs> they just like went off, like, dude, like, like six people died. It was just, and they they were aware of it. They said, "Like, bro, like six people died. Like, that's crazy." Oh, was, dude, that's uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't watch Supernatural consistently, but I've seen a lot of episodes. Of my sister, that is my favorite thing about the show: the the death toll counts. The victims are <laughs> like, they are causing this death. The death tolls are just immense. And like every time I feel like at a certain point they see new people or people they've seen before, and there's like this look that the brothers have that they're just like, mm, shit, all right, oh no. Uh, these people we know are involved. Like we might as well just like <laughs> assume that they're all dead already. It's fantastic. I remember I popped in one and uh one of the brothers was meeting an ex. And, like, there was debating whether or not the ex was, like, the mom of, like, he was the dad of her kid or not and stuff like that. And, like, I think he's through the whole episode and she lives at the very end she dies. And you're like, oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> it's not necessarily ruthless in a mean way like Grey's Anatomy, but it's, like, ruthless in a way that's like ah that's supernatural <laughs> the <love> brothers so <laughs> um, everyone loves being on that show people families were made on that show marriages happened on that show there that's like dude it is it's like very popular, man like that people those people love each other and even though it's a stupid show of like people like fighting demons and like it's super serious and you know they have to fight and stuff like that like the behind the scenes stories and videos and diaries and tapes and interviews and blogs are all about how genuinely positive it was to be on this set i never i'm not the biggest fan but i always respected that and that's why it's been around for 15 years man they wanted to make it and people loved watching it yeah i mean it's, yeah it's a, it's a big commitment so i might just like kind of do an off and on thing one of those relationships that's what I kind of loved if I ever was going to go to a show that was that long, something like that, or One Piece, for example, where, like, it's just immense. It's that – it's the joy of knowing that, like, I may never finish it. Like, have one a day. Like, there's 15 seasons. I can have one a day. For <laughs> I can have one a week. I, I can have one a month. It could be my little advent calendar of Supernatural because there's so many and because it's a procedural show. Yes, it gets in-depth and it gets story-wise and stuff like that. But at a certain point, you're just going, I kind of want to – I kind of feel like a Supernatural. Let's watch a Supernatural. I save some shows, yeah, for that very reason. But that – if like, I guess that's – it's always sunny in Philadelphia for me. I was there at the start of that show for my pilot, day one, and I was there for five seasons. And then I was like, I'm going to hop the train. 
I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's different. I just want to watch other stuff. And since then, 10 other seasons have happened. So <laughs> one day I'm going to go back to that and I'm going to have an immense amount of like show to watch. And I can't wait. Simpsons. <laughs> Simpsons is another one. Yeah. Yeah, I also want to get back into uh, Malcolm in the Middle. That show's always been a part of my, my life, my childhood, oh, yeah. especially. I've seen it countless times now, but I always just like restarting. It's this is the longest that I've it's ever been that I uh, haven't restarted it again. It's been like a couple of years now. We were talking about it the other day, and you did something that I thought was funny. So I want to try this on Chris. Chris, you remember Malcolm in the Middle, correct? Yes, I do. What channel do you think that show originally started on? I only ever watched it on UPN, so that's my guess. Okay. Peter thought it was Nickelodeon? I There was a brief moment where I was like, was that Nickelodeon? I wasn't determined. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me think that the reruns, the syndication of it, that maybe at one point it was on Nickelodeon. And, yeah, like Nick no, at Night or something like that. Probably, yes, dude. Totally, totally a Nick at Night type thing. Um, yeah, asshole. <laughs> I, I, that's why I was like, Chris is not going to say Nickelodeon, but he's not going to say Fox. He's going to say another channel. And he did. He said UPN. That's not where it started. And that's the thing. Um, I think it started in like the late 90s, around the, that 70s show. That was when I was like just starting to get into sitcoms. Friends was done. Everyone watched Friends. I watched Friends. But I was still watching kids shows around then. But when it's that 70s show and it's always uh, that 70s show and Malcolm in the Middle started, that's when I was like, I'm an adult and I watch sitcoms now. So I I was not there to the end of Malcolm. I bucked out about hmm. two or three seasons before the end. Yeah, that's um, – I, I don't know. I mean, I of course, I've enjoyed movies and TV shows my whole life, but the last two more like – Four years, I have been taking things more seriously and like really trying to dive into movies more. Of course, I'm on this podcast. I'm on another podcast. Like it's it's a new thing for me. It's I still consider it a new thing for me. Uh, at least just like recording it. Uh, but Malcolm in the Middle has never been a TV show that I've like really deeply looked into. It's just been on. I play it. I play the whole thing. Takes a, like a couple months. And then I finish it, and then I get back to it like a, a little bit later. But I've never watched it and be like, mm, "That season was really weird. I wonder what happened." Like, mm, "There's a weird change here. What, what? Like, why did they write this like this?" I've never looked at it like that. Maybe I have, but it hasn't been to the point where I've you know remembered it. But I'm excited to kind of dive into it in a more serious way this time. Does that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's especially around that era because things were really interesting in terms of what sitcoms were coming and which sitcoms were going. That was mm-hmm. Malcolm in the Middle was right around the times of like Scrubs and My Name is Earl when single, single cameras were becoming a big deal. Right. And Office started becoming the thing and then it was mockumentary on the other end. But I, I, the thing about sitcoms that I loved that were dying out around that era is the people that are successful now that – would be in sitcoms around then. 
I, yeah. I this a lot. One of my favorites is there's a show called Torkelson's. It lasted one season. I love it. It's one of my favorite, like, just warm blanket shows. They made a sequel to it where they cut half the cast and then moved them to a fancy rich neighborhood where they became nannies of a fancy rich family. And <laughs> on that show, Ben Affleck and Jared Leto both show up and they date the same girl. Like, no way. I love watching stuff like that. And then there's another one that I love, personal favorite of mine. It's called Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. It has Nathan Fillion and uh, Ryan Reynolds is one of the main stars of it. Nathan Fillion shows up halfway through. So many people show up on the show. It's Ryan Reynolds on a sitcom for like three or four seasons. It starts off as a normal sitcom, and then it eventually devolves into one of the weirdest shows around. And then (laughs) it, it ends on a cliffhanger, like Twin Peaks style, and nothing ever happens because Ryan Reynolds became a huge star. And the girl would go on to be on Monk and stuff. But it's one of my favorite things to go back to. Like, it's not a perfect show, but it doesn't need to be. It's Ryan Reynolds. And, so, and I watched it when it happened. I was like, this guy's fucking hilarious. And this show's great. And then Philion shows up and other people show up. And I'm like, this show's good. And then it just died. And then he became a huge success after Van Wilder. And I was like, good. That's why I've always pushed for Deadpool. And I haven't pushed for his... I think recent serious work, which has been miscasted, which has been miscast. I like his earlier serious work, which I think was just a little bit more on the nose of what he could do. But I always mm. thought he was better funny. And he was always good funny. Sitcoms yeah. are great, you know? Go back to your old sitcoms. They're, they're better than you remember, kids. Sure. Sure, it was, fre- it was uh, Fresh Prince for me when that played on Naked Night. Mm. Nice, dude. Nice. Dude, that is a throwback. There's a totally off-topic. It's not even a movie. It's kind of a TV show if you want to if you want to consider it that. It's a YouTube channel. I I just found him. My that friend counts. just showed me him the other day and <laughs> to scare me out. <laughs> uh, Alex, I'm the, scared. The name is Ordinary Sausage, okay? <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> ordinary. There's nothing ordinary about this channel. Uh, uh-huh. it, just, it just started out, like, not even a year ago. Almost a year ago. This guy, I don't really know. I don't know if he's ever said his name. People just call him Mr. Sausage. He yeah. is just a wholesome, funny guy from, like, New York. I know it's by Boston. He's from Boston. I know oh. he's from Boston. Oh, good Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting Boston. So, he just 11 months ago, his first video is Big Mac Sausage. So, he'll take things that aren't, you know, necessarily meat. Maybe they have meat in them, oh, but no. he'll turn oh, them God. into a sausage. And it's really, I've, I've been going back and forth on his channel. I didn't start from the beginning and all the way up until the recent. I've just been going back and forth. But it's one of those things where he's been doing it for a long time where some of the running jokes weren't, you know, that started maybe halfway through the time that he's had this account post uploading stuff to it. So it's interesting to see how he started out and then going back and forth, seeing a, an older video compared to a new video, see the different ways he, he films things, the different things he says, how he, how he like does his jokes it's kind of cool to, to see how he's evolved just as a youtuber and just as a in a way a comedian and in a way a chef because he makes sausages and he's actually really good at making sausages 
he he knows the the rules of of uh of cooking them and just just different different things and some of them turn out to be really good and you wouldn't expect them to be good he did a he was doing a a joke one a pickle sausage so he did one where it's just a pickle in sausage casing okay and he made that and then there's one where it's just shredded pickle because he put it through meat grinder so it's basically just relish in sausage casing and then he did ham in relish in a sausage casing and it turns out that that was so good it was so good and he's like it's like i'm eating you know a normal hot dog and it and it tastes like i, I there there's you know mustard in it and then there's ketchup it's just he's like trick just tricks your mind so he, he discovers these things that actually turn out to be really really good and then he'll do things like butter sausage and air sausage and the he real butter and he actually <laughs> made an air sausage with air he somehow did it but he'll do really gross ones and then he'll do like some cool ones but he what I really like about him, other than it's just a wacky channel, is that he's such a wholesome guy, and he's just a dad, and sometimes you hear his kids in the background, or his wife will say something funny. She's like, can you stop, like, making a mess everywhere? Just little things here and there that, that it's, he's just, he's just him, you know? And uh, something that really made me catch my eye was, uh, at the end of a video, I think it was before he did a face reveal, so he's kind of, like, hinting at his face. By the way, he has an epic, epic mustache. Okay, it's epic. It <laughs> sounds about right. Up at sounds, either end. It's sounds about so right. good. It's so good. Um, he did a. He was like recording, and then at the end, he like went to a, a metal bowl, like panned to a metal bowl, and he's like, "All right, see you later, guys." And you saw his reflection, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's just using his iPhone to record all of this." Like, it's not fancy cameras. He has got a tripod, but, you know, you can hook your phone up to a tripod. It's just he, what he has is he's got his phone, he's got a tripod, he's got a sick-ass mustache, and he knows how to make sausages. And that's all you need. Nice. That's amazing. The guy is, uh, he's like, um, I guess to make it movie-wise, he's like Bubba from... Uh... From Forrest Gump, just every possible every possible way you can look at a sausage, he's gonna make something out of it. Yeah, and like it's it's also funny when he when he knows it's disgusting and he's like, I'm really not excited for this, and he tries <laughs> every single one, eats every single one, and he rates them, and he's really active on social media. So if like you're an artist out there and you want to draw um, some sausages, do fan mail. He has a PO box, and he also does ratings on each sausage. So he'll say. That was like two sausages out of five or whatever. And you can actually draw like this, like a normal sausage. You could draw half a sausage because he does half points. And then you can draw like a dead sausage. Whatever you interpret that as, that's what it is. So there's some really, really cool artists out there that put their own twist on, you know, the visuals of how he rates things. And he'll put it up and he'll tag the artist and everything. He's just, he's just a wholesome guy. Just all around, opens fan mail really active on social media and just like make some sausages, man. Make some sausage, man. Nice. Make some sausages, man. I don't know. Make some sausage. Totally, totally random. Anyway, that's uh, that's the gist of it, other than goodwill hunting. Yeah, um, real quick. Actually, like, I know you guys were talking about uh, David Fillion earlier. Like, my mom's been trying to find shows to get into. Like, she was having a spat with uh, 
uh, Law and Order SVU and all that. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, she would like she'd fall asleep to them. That usually means that usually means they're good enough for her. But like she finally found the rookie with Nathan Fillion. Oh wow, interesting. Okay, and she literally stayed up past her bedtime for that show. Like, she could not put it down. Good for her. Like, and seeing it, like, there was a guy who tried to, like, bury a dude alive in cement and then hang himself afterwards. Um, <laughs> that's all I know. That's all I know. Then Nathan Fillion's trying to talk the dude out of it. And, like, yeah. It's crazy cop show, yeah. And then it well, turns out... And then it turns out, Alex, she, she's in the same boat as you. She likes uh, uh, You're Firefly. Boat? Yeah. She likes, she likes Firefly? Firefly, yeah. Or is it Zach that likes Firefly? Uh, I'm not sure. But both both Zach and I do. Yeah. Firefly is a great show. Everyone everyone should like Firefly. It's a great show. Nathan Fillion, in general, is great. Um, Castle lasted forever. The Rookie has been on for quite yep, a Bob long time. Yeah, Bob loved that. He is great in Serenity. Yeah, you know what? I would tell her. There's a show called Two Guys Are Going to Pizza Place. He shows up. The the two guys and the girl are there for at least one or two seasons alone. And then the girl marries Nathan Fillion. And Fillion shows up. He's there. He, like, just ends up on the show. And he just is married to the wife and gets in their shenanigans, too. It's great. Mm. He shows up in a later part of the season. But that's what got him Firefly. And Firefly ended up getting him Serenity. Serenity got him Castle. For then on, he was doing stuff with Josh Whedon and James Gunn forever. Um, he's in Slither. So, uh, so yeah. Um, one of the things she said about it was like she just is really surprised at how many ideas that show has. Like, I don't know if any of it's based in reality or if it's just a bunch of yeah. really fun ideas right. put out there as a pop show but um the couple of episodes i've seen too i was like yeah this is nuts fun nuts <laughs> yeah. uh, assorted nuts right so he did carried on other writers from castle which also had some pretty bonkers stories to him oh yeah um other than that yeah uh all right, so <laughs> um, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting. Alex. Goodwill Hunting. Who is Gus Van Zant? <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, <laughs> Gus Van Zant is actually a very—he's a favorite director of mine. I, I looking at my shelf of movies every now and then, I forget. Because they're all scattered. I used to have them set by directors. A shelf for directors' movies, where I have all the movies of each director or just how many I have of that certain director. If I have more than two, I would put it on the shelf. And then I have a lot of stragglers. Now everything is scatterbrained. As I look on the shelf right now, I, he's all over the board. I have a lot of different movies from him. And I know some of them aren't even in cases. Um, so he's been around for a bit. He made music videos in the late 90s. <clears throat> he started like showing up around 1987 with a few of them, and then he got onto the scene with a movie called Drugstore Cowboy, starring Matt Dillon. And it was oh. about um, I, I own this. I've never seen it. It's part of my cult movies book. I've just never gotten around to it. It's on a lot of things for free. I've always wanted to watch it, and I just never have. 
And it, it's like my own private Idaho. I never saw that either. I just wanted a reason one day. And I haven't gotten around to it, but it is the movie that broke him onto the scene. He started making bigger music videos and then My Own Private Idaho in 1991. You, <clears throat> Peter and I saw that not too long ago. Really love it. There's some Henry VIII in there. It's one of the, it's probably the most famous River Phoenix performance that there is before he died, I guess. When running did on we, When did we watch that? The Keanu Reeves episode. Oh my god, that's right. I was like, I know I watched it, and I know I watched it like with you in a way. I was just thinking, what? What? <laughs> when? <laughs> you just blew my mind. I just forget everything, I guess. Um, he would make, two years later, even Cowgirls get the blues with Samantha Mathis and also River Phoenix and um, uh, Keanu Reeves show up in there. It wasn't as well-liked. Um, he would do To Die For with uh, Nicole Kidman in the 90s, which is just her trying to climb the ladder. By then, um, <clears throat> he's already sort of established himself as a director that people want to work with. Um, he was also openly gay. So these are just things that about him that he was uh, using as part of his work. Basically, Gus Van Sant, in, in my opinion, is a guy that goes two different routes and tries to blend them as well as he can. He's either perfectly cheesy and schmaltzy, like Goodwill Hunting, and sometimes he takes that too far. Like I think he made Promised Land and uh, he made Finding Forrester, which I personally enjoy. People think it's too far. It does have "You're the Man Now, Dog," and I believe he also did "We Bought a Zoo." Maybe I'm wrong on that. That could be that could be somebody else, but he can go overboard. With his schmaltziness. Um, he has worked with Damon before. And then the other end of the spectrum is him being as simple and realistic as possible. He has most famously something called the Walking Trilogy. One of them also stars Matt Damon and Casey Affleck. And they're about two guys, based on a true story, uh, who go to the desert, they get lost, and then they just walk in the desert. They just walk in the desert for two hours. And then one of them kills the other one. And then Man. he gets to ride home. Relatable. That's it. It's one of it's super boring. It's super boring. I love it. it. has one of my favorite songs in it. It's one of my favorite things to just put on if you're doing chores or something. It's meditative. But it's just them walking and scenery. That's it. Um, he made another one that was called Last Days starring Michael Pitt, which is kind of what he imagines the last day of Kurt Cobain would be. So it's a Kurt Cobain-like character walking around his giant main mansion, uh, Seattle mansion, <clears throat> wearing a dress, taking drugs, ignoring his friends, ignoring his bandmates, and then eventually shooting himself in the face with a shotgun. Oh God! His Jeez. most famous one, Jeez. the one that won him, the this most famous one, my favorite of the three, and most people's favorite. It is the best. It won in the Palme d'Or. It's called Elephant. And basically, it follows several different students in high school, just like a camera is on their back as they walk through high school. It feels very much like Wyzetta. You're just walking through these long hallways. <laughs> Some are going to at the very end. At the very end, there is a Columbine-like school shooting. There's several people dead, explosions. It becomes an entirely different movie. And uh, it's excellent. Wow. It's called Elephant. It's called Elephant. And these are the two different realms of um, Gus Van Sant. He's either 
He, he, I think he has in this movie, Goodwill Hunting, and at times in Finding Forrester, personally, I think really well in Finding Forrester, he balances cheesiness with atmosphere and mood. And it, that has a lot to do with the drift, the way he drifts a camera, the documentary style he tries to do with close ups, how personal he makes everything. But like Boston and New York, especially in Finding Forrester, they are vibes basically his movies at times are just vibes if not really just sort of like cheesy dad movies and i think goodwill hunting is going to grow up to be an excellent dad movie for people my age but also i think it's perfect like oscar bait schmaltz just about time shawshank redemption type schmaltz and it's perfect in my in my opinion when it, when you look at it that way um he would later go on to remake psycho shot for shot Whoa. Which with with um, uh, wow. uh, he made Finding Forrester after that. That's when he started getting to his walking trilogy. Um, he would make um, uh, more music videos after that, and then he would make another one that it, it isn't part of his walking trilogy, but it's, it's called Paranoid Park, and it's a lot like them. But it's about a kid that just wants to skate, and while he was skating, he accidentally gets chased by a security guard, and then the security guard dies in the chase of the kid and the kid has to live with it it's excellent very much like that he made milk which sean penn which got him an oscar which got him the oscar actually um he made promised land again with matt damon he's done a few other um tv shows he made don't worry he won't get that far on foot with uh, joaquin phoenix last year which a lot of people liked and he's starting a new show he started a new show last year called Overture of Something That Never Ended. And it says he directed some of those episodes. But the last movie, yeah, he directed was 2018, Don't Worry, He Won't Get That Far on Foot. It's Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, Rona Murray, Jack Black, Mark Webber, a lot of people. A lot of people. Uh, so Gus Van Sant's been around for a while. This movie is not really known for Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant's career really did blossom because of this movie. He got nominated for an Oscar for it, um, both for Best Picture and Director. Um, it won for editing, it won for score, and Williams won. It was nominated for Best Actress and Best Actor for Matt Damon, who lost to Jack Nicholson in As Good As It Gets, which I watched today. And Jack Nicholson's pretty goddamn good in a movie that does not hold up. He's actually really good. But Matt Damon, I gotta be honest, this is pretty awesome. But the reason it's so awesome is because Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote this movie five years before they filmed it and had been living this movie in their head for years. They were met on a movie called School Ties, which also had one of the other guys in the group in it, and they all met there. These two guys wrote the movie together, Matt Damon having been at Harvard. Um, but it had a whole other second half. He goes to see Skyler in California, but then he gets chased by the FBI because they want his, his mathematics. And then him, Chucky, and Skyler end up going, and it becomes an action movie. Uh, and <laughs> shit, what it was. And he started getting the movie passed around and sold to Castle Rock by Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner one of the most famous filmmakers of all time, looked at the script and said, get rid of the FBI shit. 
and just making it be about Boston and his family and his friends. That's where it is. And they did. And they cleaned it up. This movie, the script has been passed down through several different filmmakers, including Francis Ford Coppola, who in that process cast Matt Damon in a very important role. in Francis Ford Coppola's like last nineties movie called the rainmaker with Danny DeVito. It boosted Matt Damon up who at that point had already been in other movies but this was the biggest one he never been in. It's Francis Ford Coppola, John Grisham novel movie. It was a big deal. That helped get it to Robin Williams. Francis Ford Coppola gave the script to Robin Williams. Once they did that, it really got around. And then Harvey Weinstein. Sadly, we have to talk about Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, when, okay. Harvey Weinstein, so when I was watching the acceptance speech that you told me to, and Ben Affleck thanked Harvey Weinstein, I'm like, shit stings a little bit you can't can't not talk about harvey when you talk about this movie but you also can't not talk about harvey when you talk about the late 90s and oscars because he basically ruled hollywood then and it's a because he could pick good stuff but also b his tactics were just deplorable not just what we know him for now but also his campaign tactics were deplorable but he was the one who like had faith in this movie and he did the same thing, like the. It, but this really isn't his movie; it's theirs. He just gave them the money to do it, and they made it. Unlike Shakespeare in Love, which is like a Harvey Weinstein production, this was mostly pushed by them. Gus Van Sant had a perfect faith in the script; he didn't really want to change anything about it. Um, and Robin Williams loved it, uh, and so Weinstein just bought it and gave him the money. And here's one of my favorite things about this whole five-year process. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck sold the script early on to Castle Rock, but then Castle Rock couldn't do anything with it after a while. And they just started shopping it around to other studios to see if they could sell it. But Matt Damon and Ben Affleck didn't think that anybody was reading it. So they wrote a in the middle of in the middle of this movie, they wrote a uh, six page incredibly graphic sex scene between Sean and Will just to see if anybody was reading it. <laughs> what? Yeah. And there were people that, and they would tell, like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna pass on this movie. And they're like, oh, so you read it? And they'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, anything interesting? And they're like, you know, it's just not for us. And they're like, yeah, you didn't, you didn't fucking read it. Weinstein was like, yeah, I like it. Get the sex scene out though. And they're like, cool, you read it, sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Absolute favorite things. Um, so oh my god, that's so funny. The production of this happens. And um, the first scene happens between Stellan Sarsgaard and who plays uh, the teacher, the college professor, and Robin Williams. It's the first scene they're shooting, and, it's Rob- and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are on set. The moment that those two guys start doing the scene and talking, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon start crying. Literally on set. It took them five years to get to this point and, and the right people believing in them. No one knew who these fucking dudes were, but the script just kept floating around Hollywood and all these great directors kept looking at it and they're like, who are these guys? And people would be like, no one, but it's good, right? And they'd be like, yeah, it's good. Change it, do this, and uh, we'll see what happens. And um, Damon was getting roles and Affleck was getting better because of Kevin Smith. But Kevin Smith is the real big reason why this movie got made. He is the one who really pushed it when he started working with Ben Affleck and after they had made Chasing Amy. He got this to other people. Kevin Smith produced this movie. 
he has an Oscar for it. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it's it's that kind of it's the most prominent, uh, high uh, highly regarded thing that he has his name attached to. But it's because he believed in these guys. Um, Matt Damon is also in Mallrats. Like he, they knew each other well back then. So he helped get the script out to certain people. Um, so in, in the middle of shooting, um, Robin Williams improvised the scene about the wife farting. That, <laughs> yeah, he also genuine laughs. Uh, he also improvised the um, the last line of the movie. Son of a bitch, he stole my line. <laughs> nice. And when he always... did the bench scene, uh, go ahead, Peter. Oh no, I I was just gonna add. I always like in movies when the the actor knows the character that they're playing so well that they can improvise as that character. That always just fascinates me so much. I mean, we have a podcast yeah. revolved around that, but specifically just you know, legit Hollywood style things. And it, of course, Robin Williams will improvise so much, but it, it's so like that character too, because the, the character is a little witty and he, and he, but he's, he can be soft spoken at times. And yeah, it's, it's such a cool line. It's just so perfect. It's so good. I would, I would say if we, I would love to do a Buttercast app of only Robin Williams roles where he's like a genuine person, like good, good morning Vietnam, Garp, this. Right, right. Robot crazy. Sorry. For that, well, for that very reason, for that very reason, because when he understands a character, he knows how to put the Robin Williams in there perfectly. Yeah. The the genius of the improvisation and funny of like Fisher King and all that. I think there's a handful out there that'll like this where it's like yeah no robin williams was a genius a genius serious actor this obviously though is his best role um the the soundtrack the score was done by danny elfman but the soundtrack and certain songs were done by a guy named elliot smith um and he played he got oscar nominated he played at the oscars it's one of it's a super kind of uncomfortable performance because he just doesn't fit in he's in this white suit and in on a chair with his guitar on a stage and he's just singing to the Hollywood and it's like this heroin addict from the Midwest is not Ooh. meant to be here. But <laughs> God. they are beautiful songs. They are beautiful songs. They're very personal. Um as we all know, Robin Williams would later kill himself. He's not the only suicide attached to this movie. Elliot Smith, not too long after this movie, would stab himself three times to death in the heart and kill himself. Jeez. Just hardcore. That's that's hardcore. so hard. I've never. God. It's my it's my favorite, but also most tragic because I do love his music, and I had a friend who truly loved his music, and even knew people who knew him. Uh, but it it's I can't imagine how sad how sad your life must be for that to happen. And people are like, it was it, possibly there's foul play and there's other people. And I don't know anything about that, but I do know that he was a very depressed, uh, addicted person who at the end, people were like babysitting him to stop him from wow. killing himself. So wow. when you hear that, you're like, no, that guy wanted to die. He wanted yeah. to. And you're like, oh, here is music, a- especially some of the songs here. You're like, I get it. Sure. 
it's there's a conspiracy for everything now there's a conspiracy yeah. for army Hammer just being a cannibal so no update uh, by the way no update. It. uh thank thank you though thank you i it's i gotta know i gotta know i mean if you if it's it makes sense that someone would think yeah like why would a person stab themselves in the heart multiple times when they could just pop some pills or hang themselves or slit the wrists in a in a warm bathtub something just exactly. calm and painless like i gotta be honest and, uh, easy. yeah i i i don't know you got to hate yourself you have to really want to hurt yourself that bad you have to feel like you can't feel any pain or that pain is the only thing you can feel it's it's I it's thought about this a lot, just because it's so hardcore. Um, Williams would hang himself. Um, people would later learn because he found out he was he had a disease that was going to go at his brain, and he didn't want to go through it. And so that was along with other problems that he had and depression in his life. That was a thing that he just did not want to go through and put other people through and try to like go through that in the limelight in front of the camera. So that was one of the things that helped make his decision as well, from what I hear. Mm, but uh, th that's, those are the sad things with the movie. Outside of that, everyone loved this movie. It was a huge deal, and it was the biggest contender against the number one movie of the 90s, Titanic. That's right. This was the one movie that everyone felt whoa. like could actually contend against Titanic. If Titanic uh, wasn't there, this would have won. But um, Titanic deserved it, and everyone knows it. And it was a tough year because 1997 was a good year. But no one ever doubted for a second. Robin Williams deserved an Oscar for this. This was amazing. 100%. I mean, I think, over, I think over time, Matt Damon has come out as on top in the performance game, too. I think he, do, he does so much for a 25-year-old including writing this and getting it done in the first place that you have to give, you have to give it to him. Ben Affleck, just for the car scene alone, which by the way, the car scene at the construction site that he gives him the speech at, he'd been working on that speech for so long, writing it so well, like getting it so tight that when the day came, he came in, did it in one take, one take. Perfect. Holy crap. Like, everyone was like, do you want to do more? He's like, okay. It was like, everyone knew it was perfect, but he's like, do you want to, want to do a couple more? And he's like, sure. And they did a couple more. But then after that, they were like, fuck it, man. We got it. We, we did it. And it was because they knew what this was. They sat on it for that long. They chiseled it as best they could. They had some of the best help in the world. I think people just knew these guys were going to be stars. And it all comes out in that acceptance speech. When you see them up there accepting those awards, that is all of that work, all of that time, and all of that effort leading to that point. And it's the same thing with Robin Williams. Robin Williams had been nominated several times. Sure, he had gotten a special award for Aladdin, but he'd been non nominated countless times for, for many performances. He'd already done Awakenings. He'd already done Doubtfire. He'd already done Garp. He'd already done Good Morning Vietnam, Fisher King. He had tried, but this is what we got for his efforts. And when he's up there and he's accepting it and people are applauding that loudly, it's because he earned it. And I love it for it. And over time, it'll just they, – they have actually the bench where he does the speech in the movie. It is now dedicated to him since his death. Wow. Yeah. Wait, it, oh, man. I didn't know that. Holy smokes. Wow. Uh, over the years, Ben Affleck has said he hates that Weinstein is connected to this. Matt Damon says he hates his hair. 
Robin Williams always stood by this movie, always defended it, always loved it. Um, and Minnie Driver, I, I love Minnie Driver. She was dating Matt Damon at the time of this movie, um, during the making of it. And they would go on for a bit till the Oscars, and then after the Oscars, they'd have a bad breakup. But Minnie Driver would go on to do great stuff. She did a great sitcom that ran for like five years, that just ended. Um, I love Minnie Driver. And she's great. Everyone's great. Uh, that is the story of Goodwill Hunting. Thank you. Oh, God. Oh, man. So before I had watched the movie, right, mm-hmm. I went and I, like the night before, like last night, I was like, I got to find it. And so, like, because I couldn't find, I couldn't find it anywhere else. I went and found, because I couldn't even find it on CWC. I went and found Robin Williams's uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway episode. Oh. And apparently, like, that was a complete surprise to everybody in that audience. Um, like, and man, he just, he just belonged. It just got me all nostalgic for, got me all nostalgic for him. Mm. Uh, <laughs> me too, dude. Me too. Um, I think it got me in the right mindset. Too. It's just like, man, dude. I've been itching for a hook lately so badly. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, like. So this movie, I was like, okay, like. I um. It's hard to form words now. Hold on, I gotta actually watch it as we go. I gotta actually hit play here. Yeah, you guys are fortunate. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm pretty far. I'm at the point where she's about to get on the plane. Oops, hold on. Forgot to mute the television. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, he's so you just, just got to hear the Miramax sign. Shoot. So, as I was like watching this, I was like, okay, not gonna lie, like there is a pretty there is a pretty bad football game on too. Um, so I was like. And just like, as that game ended, and like the the next game was starting, I was like, I am glued to this movie. Like, I can't put this down. Like, at, at that point, I think it was like, it was the moment where he had, um, like when he's solving, when he first like gets the idea to solve. The problem on the chalkboard in the hallway and then and then though to show that contrast between his life with his like brothers and like like just how smart this guy is like how naturally like smart he is and um oh there's a remote um just like i was like okay i really am liking this movie is then like it's just like it gradually i hadn't seen i haven't seen something like this in a while it's like it gradually built more and more right up until like um gosh how did i actually think about this whole movie play play um so I'm having. Why am I having such a hard time forming words here? It's like, well, can I can I offer something that you offered yourself, and that is, I've seen this a lot. 
And I rewatching it again, the music is what the first thing that gets me nostalgic for this. Once it starts, I'm always in it. But the scene watching it with Peter this time that would that I knew I was like, oh, holy shit, this is a good movie. I'm watching a good movie right now. It's got me. And it's when he is at the bar and Ben Affleck tries to hit on Mini Driver and then the asshole bully comes in. And then Ben A- and then Matt Damon shows up and he gives a speech. The camera starts zooming on his face and I was like Oh shit! This is the first time this motherfucker's ever really, ever really spoken for a long period of time. See, he's opening up right now. This is the first time we're seeing Will ever, and I was like, "Good movie, good movie." I'm watching a good movie right now. I think that was the first time I was like, "Okay, that's the script. This, this is what a good script looks like. This is when good filmmaking starts from the script." I was like, "Damn! All right, cool." Yeah, there's there's a lot of. A lot of little moments that I had to, especially that scene. But later, later in the movie, when um, when she was confessing her love to him and was saying that she should go to California with him, and how yeah. he, instead of opening up to her, um, closed her off and made her the vulnerable one when she's the one asking what happened to him, why she has you know, like that he can share his life with her and everything in his life with her. And instead of doing that, because he's built up these walls and that's just how he's existed for 20 years or almost, you know, 21 years, that's just how he works. So when when someone opens up to him like that, the only way he can really function is to just, is to just <laughs> cut her off and to make her feel like she's the vulnerable one and it there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of cool and i don't know that's not the right word you get what i'm saying it's just interesting because you know that's people work like that people work like a lot of things in real life but it's 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 really nice to see a main character <laughs> in a movie that is that is so vulnerable vulnerable to the point where he looks like he is the one that's in control and it's and it's nice to see the human side of main characters you know i mean you get that in so many movies where you just you, you lose that feeling like this is a real person you understand that this is a character and like this is what they do but you kind of lose that feeling of like wow this could just be this could be a real person this is a real person you know so many people are like this i, I love that so much i mean especially not just for not just for Matt Damon's character, but just for all the all the characters. You know, they they all did such a, a cool and interesting, fascinating job with just being genuine, real people, and how uh, how uh, Will's relationship with his, in a way, brothers, how how that works, and like I've had so many. I've had groups like that when I was a kid, like, you know, we always pick on that one guy, but we know that he can always take it kind of thing. Never take it too far. I mean, they maybe, you know, when they were fighting or something, but it's just that those feelings of the real life and how people work and ah, just, it, it, it got me nostalgic in a way. And yeah, just, just to add to your point, Alex, so there, there is, um, to add to the point that you added earlier about Will, I went on YouTube and a lot of what you find in terms of analysis for this is about psychoanalysis. And someone breaks down uh, Will's defense mechanisms. And they show up a lot in the movie. Sometimes it's humor, sometimes it's violence, sometimes it's aggression. <clears throat> and 
the first time he meets Robin Williams in the first meeting, he keeps trying to do all these different forms to throw Robin Williams off. But Williams is always accommodating, always listening, always paying attention and throwing Will for a curve until Will finally hits the nerve. And once he does the it's not your fault at the end, Will does every single defense mechanism. He's like, jokes it off. And then he's like, stop, please. Then he's aggressive. Then he's like begging him. And now he's like really hitting his moment. And so eventually he just wears down entirely. Every defensive position he has Mm. is gone. And all he has left is to be vulnerable. And it, it is... Probably for someone who is a therapist, psychoanalysis 101, it's probably not how it works at all. But at the same time, for the film, it works because, well, it's not just Will going through this. It's also Robin Williams grieving for his wife having passed two years ago and needing this kind of relationship between the both of them. For Will to come in and challenge him just as much as he challenge, tries to challenge Will. He's never as aggressive with Will at the beginning, but he does give Will a basically a cat bite at the back of the neck and brings him right back to his office with that speech at the bench. Very mm. quickly, he's like, you, you, you knocked me down, but then I got up and I realized, you're just a fucking kid. You're just a kid. That's it. I've lived life. You haven't. And you never that whole bench scene just floored me. It, it's the it is the scene that will be shown every time you see a, uh, any tribute or rep, or, or like memoriam for Robin Williams. It was right. the thing. It was the last thing they showed at the Oscars. It's it's amazing. It's it's perfect. It's one of the it's one of the film's many great rewatchable moments. Moments where, like, if you saw this on TV and it started, you just, you're in. Yeah, so, like, um, that, like, man, it took me a while. I was like, I'm like, I'm really getting into this. I'm, like, really into Will as a character. And then, like... I knew that this was like a really like a an, an iconic movie, and I was not prepared for when Robin Williams stepped in, like when his character is introduced and like yeah, dude, when they thirty minutes into the movie, when they um and finally interact and that whole scene, I was just like, this just went to a whole nother level, and it was already like. A pretty, it was already like a really good, like, character piece, and like, man, I was, I was just, just, I was just floored. Like, this movie, like, legit, like, knocked me on my butt. I was just like, here's a guy who I'm watching the, watching the batting cages. Oh my gosh, him and Ben, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, these guys just, man. Wow, these guys, those guys, just like they've got the chemistry. They, they've got it. Like um, they would, they would work together, as you know, as you saw them together. And well, let me ask you this: having seen them in Dogma, Chris, which one do you like better? They're as a pair. Oh. Or at the very least, do you get why Dogma was like why Dogma works so well after seeing this? Uh, like, who would I choose? Like, 
Like, who is the better of the two, is what you're asking? No, I'm just saying, like, uh, uh, well, not even that. I won't even make you choose, but just, like, it makes, I after seeing Dogma, I yeah. think it's really fun to have seen this afterwards and be like, wow, like, they just, like, why didn't we get more movies with the two of them together? <laughs> we watched the, the Jane Silent Bob thing today. Yep. They, why didn't they do more things together? Um, they would never really make anything together, really, after this. They, Matt Damon would half-write Jerry with Casey Affleck, with Gus Van Sant. Ben Affleck would write Gone, Gone Baby Gone, and then he would direct the rest of his stuff and not really write it. They were supposed to have written a movie to come out this Christmas together, but that did not happen. Ben Affleck put out his The Way Home or whatever, the basketball movie, uh, which I didn't see. I kind of wanted to. Uh, and I think that's still in the process of happening. There's also another one that they were going to do as well as writing, but starring together, I don't think that that's in their future. Ben Affleck went the – right after this, Ben Affleck was in Armageddon. Like, he, it was done after that. And then, as Peter has seen, he had his Gilly phase. So then he would go on to be Batman. <laughs> I think Ben Affleck is amazing at times. Gone Girl is amazing. I think Gone Baby Gone is amazing. Um, he's made great stuff before. I like him as Batman. So Ben Affleck has won me over in the end. And I think his speech at the car is fucking nuts. Uh, yeah. I think when he's doing the fake job interview, it's really funny. That was great. I was just like, I was not anticipating that at all. <laughs> that just came oh out of nowhere. Those pants, those pants, dude. The pants. <laughs> so hard. I even said it when I was watching it with Alex. I just kept commenting on the pants. I'm like, this is great. These pants are way too short. It's so good. I think I gotta admit, there I have I have had mixed feelings with Ben Affleck just like in his movies for some time just because I haven't seen the movies that you know he's best in and that's just on my part of course but Batman started to turn me I was like you know he's he is a good Batman I don't know why I'm just hating him for just the sake of hating him because I, I in the end I, I did like him as Batman but that's also hard because those movies were really hard to watch but him if you can scared. shine oh, above yeah. those movies, good. If you can shine above those movies, all the better for it. Mm-hmm. And I, this is actually the movie that really was turned me. And I was like, he he's good. He's just had some bad luck with with the movies that he's been in. Whether it's his part, uh, you know, his doing, or it's just you know, DC, whatever you want to call it. I'm not as up to date with him as a human being. I'm not talking about him as a human being. I'm just talking about him as an actor. But uh, he's been, this, he's, this he's was, better off these days. He seems yeah. better off these days. He seems he's sobered up and, and had some recovery. Um, yeah. I, you know, I totally forgot. I forget this every time. We also even did an episode on this, Chris. Argo, he wrote and directed and won Best yep. Picture for Argo. Yep. I was that was funny when we spun when we spun the wheel and we got that you guys were like, okay, fine, we'll do Argo. It's good, but darn it, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> what, which one do you think is that? Out of, out of because here's the thing: Titanic was always going to beat whatever was going to come out in 1997, and this was the thing that people were like, maybe Goodwill Hunting will win. We everyone knew it was going to be Titanic, but they're like, maybe though. 
and if it wasn't there, this would have won. So if this would have won and it would have been Argo years later, which film do you think is better? Good Will Hunting. Damn right, dude. Good Will Hunting, by far. Like, I love Argo, and I love Ben Affleck. I like his style. I like the... I like how he handles, like... How he's just, like, that 80... Like, that 80s... Early 80s Hollywood, like... Um, Hype. Yeah, like... And then the whole, like, the last 30 minutes of that movie are just so tight and perfectly done. And, um, but this movie is start to finish, like, I don't think Argo necessarily could hold a candle to this. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I agree. Like, this I'm... was amazing. This is an example of good Oscar bait. Argo's example <laughs> of mediocre Oscar bait crashes example of bad Oscar bait. I think Forrest Gump is an example of mediocre Oscar bait, where you can like it or you can hate it and you can form a good argument. Crash did not age well. Driving Miss Daisy did not age well. Good Will Hunting has aged pretty damn well, I think, for what the 90s was best for, which was movies like this. Charming, good movies. A Few Good Men, Shawshank Redemption, American President, Independence Day, mm -hmm. uh, White Man Can't Jump. There are great, like, I, I think the 90s was perfect for charm, like schmaltz and charm. I think there was a, and it's because we hadn't been 9-11 yet. Mm. Like the economy was good. We were having debates over the president having a blowjob. Like we were fucking <laughs> shit, man. We give a fuck about nothing, man. And then 9-11 happened. We sobered the fuck up and Goodwill Hunting turned into born. Ben Affleck yeah. was doing John Wu movies. <laughs> we have a gritty Batman now and it's Chucky. <laughs> Uh, Casey Affleck has a Casey Affleck has a fucking Oscar. Oh yeah, for uh, God, what was that movie? Manchester by the Sea, and he earned. Yes, I, I say what you may about Casey Affleck as a person. Like I hear he's done some shady stuff, but like that movie and that performance is heart wrenching. He's going to be in a new movie with Jason Segel that I'm kind of looking forward to. But like, Casey Affleck was asked by Ben Affleck to be in here. He improvised most of his lines in this movie. Everyone loved them. Um, oh, Cole okay. Hauser would be in a Fast and the Furious movie. The least, your least favorite Fast and the Furious movie, um, the bad guy is the the quiet guy in the friend group of this movie. His name is Cole Hauser, and he's the guy who's like the engine's good. The engine's good. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh gosh! I, I just I liked I liked the subtlety of all these characters. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. I I whenever I see Ben Affleck, you know, I I would see uh you know it's Turkey Time or it's you know I'm Batman. How do you know that name? And I see this kind of over the top. One of those in a way. is my fault. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I don't know. I was just, I was just pleasantly surprised with just the subtlety of everything and once you get subtle you notice all those smaller details i guess with acting and i i love that so much and you know the the scene where uh will left and um i why did i just uh and 
and Chuck was like walking up to the door, you know, and before that he's like, I can't wait for the day where I go to pick you up and you're not there. And that happens. And his reaction was something that honestly I wasn't expecting because it was, I was expecting more of like over the top, like crying and, you know, bawling his eyes out. But it was just like this, this thing of, yeah, he's, he's gone, but he's not gone, gone. He's just pursuing his life now. And that, and he was happy. He was happy for that. He wasn't sad that he was gone. And I don't know why my brain was thinking, oh my God, he's going to cry kind of thing. But I, that, that reaction was so cool. Just, just so cool to see. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So this, okay. So this movie, right. I was like, I really wasn't prepared for its message either. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Cause like, okay. As I've mentioned, like last week after I, or last episode where I had a melt, I have got to upload. Um, but see, I kind of ho- I was, that's why I was happy to be landed on this, especially after last week. Yeah. After last week, after I had a complete <laughs> meltdown. Um, like, I, okay, so like, um, I am a fan of Neon yeah, Genesis Evangelion. And so I know how. Oh, really? Yeah, if you didn't know. Um, and um, so I know how like it like um, how it plays into psychoanalysis and um, hedgehog's dilemma and like depression and all that. Mm-hmm. And like, so like when this, I watched this movie and I was just like, this guy. Okay, you don't have to be a mathematical prodigy to get this guy. No, right. You just need to have human emotions <laughs> and a bad haircut. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> it's not even that bad. Um, <laughs> so ruthless, I love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but like, yeah. So like, when I was watching this, I was just like, this guy is, like, really talented and, like, just naturally obtains knowledge. Like, he just, he could just, um, he's just really good at learning and applying that. He's a genius. He's a prodigy. And, like, what he's, and, like, he knows, like, he acts like he knows everything. Like everything's just boring to him. Like, he just, and then when he's finally pushed, when he's finally, like, pushed, um, he is like when he's finally challenged, mm-hmm. like he like he it just starts to crumble down. Like maybe he doesn't know everything. Yeah, because like like that scene on the bench, I was just like, "There's your, there's the movie, like right freaking there." You get that wrong, the whole movie's trash. <laughs> like you can throw the rest of the script out. You get that bench scene wrong, you're done. And they nailed it. And Robin Williams Agreed. crushed that performance. Like, crushed it. His Oscar is because of that scene alone. Like, he could be yes. in the movie for just that scene. He would have nailed that Oscar. Like, it, like no other... <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, I, have, I, I was floored. I was just like, this, this movie has me whatever, whatever happens now. 
this movie has me by uh, has me by the throat, so to say. It's just like this is why I'm here now. This is why I love that so much because that's the second time you see him, and then after that, you get the wife farting scene, which Robin Williams makes up, and then you get the baseball scene, the I gotta gotta see about a girl scene, which is just as amazing. Yeah, right. man. It's just it just keeps it just keeps going just keeps blowing keeps giving my mind. just keeps giving yeah, it's man. the movie that keeps giving so um but th- what I want to get into is like um so like it's okay so the thing about Will is that he's an orphan who was terribly abused right and like mm-hmm. um and like now he just now he now he, he, he he has trouble opening up because like who can you he has trust issues except with his brothers who he just has fun with and beats people up on a playground for i i want to clarify they are not they are not actually his brothers Mm -hmm. it's funny because i could have sworn they looked exactly like each other anyway um (laughs) (laughs) one of them yes casey but like i know he tells her that he has these brothers that he lives with but he doesn't. That's just a lie that he tells her. These are just his friends, maybe other orphans that he grew up with, maybe people that he met right. later, but like they they aren't legitimate. Oh, I should have known that because he's an orphan. Ah! Yes. No, I, I mean, I, I may have confused you because I call them brothers just because I call like close friends like that that are sure, family sure, to sure, me yeah. like that. So I, that's how I saw them in the movie, even if they, they weren't, yes. you know, actually his brothers are still considered right. his family They're like though that's his family so and so like anyway but like so he is having trust issues and he is afraid of not he's afraid of not knowing something mm-hmm. and like he's afraid of uncertainty and that's like crippling yeah so like and that it was that aspect of it to me when he break when he finally just like breaks down, um, in front of in front of Minnie Driver and it's just like listen, like how could you say something like that? You just met me, like a week from now we're gonna be in California. You're gonna be you're gonna find something find something find something about me find out something about me that you're not gonna like and you're gonna regret making that decision in the first place. Mm-hmm. And like, and then he's just like freaking out about that, and like that, and then like that. The, I also felt real. It's just like he's afraid to take like all that stuff, and then he then at the same time he doesn't want to take any jobs. Like he just doesn't know. He's he thinks stuck. he knows. He's afraid to start. Mm-hmm. And so like, and then like. What that scene you mentioned, uh, Peter, when he when uh, Robin Williams is like, finally, just like it's not your fault. It's not your fault. He just keeps going. He just keeps going. Or was it Alex that mentioned? I don't know. Um, but like, yeah, he just keep like he's like it's not your fault. It's not your fault. When he finally just breaks him down, I just felt like, oh my gosh, that's when I started crying. I was just like. Man, you just sucker punched me! Like, dang. Like, uh, it, it's, it is kind of cheesy in a way, 
I don't but care. But also, I don't care. <laughs> uh, but also, but I think it. But I think it works. Like there, there's a famous behind the scenes story. There's a, a famous uh, <coughs> screenwriter named William Goldman. He's made some great movies. He's written some great movies. And people thought for a long time because he was one of the many people that this script trans uh, got a hands of and read before it became big and was sold. Um, some people thought he wrote it. And in 2003, he was like, no, I didn't write this movie. I wish I did. I wish I wrote this movie. It's amazing. But it's just if you look at my work, it doesn't, resem it doesn't resemble it. But the one thing I'll be sure of is I wouldn't have written the It's Not Your Fault scene. I go to therapy. I've been to therapy for years. I understand therapy. Therapists don't see one patient like that and treat them like that. That's not how that works. And he's like, that's just not what happens. And that's just how Hollywood treats it. And I was like, I, that's how he wants to approach it. He's behind the scenes. He knows how that stuff. He actually goes to therapy. He has other perspectives. I don't. So I see where he's coming from. But at the end of the day, I don't think that that matters because – it's about the relationship between the two of them and how it builds from scene to scene and how well that is done as a fictional piece of storytelling in terms of affecting the characters and you and how they execute it. A prime example being Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester is basically the same story. A black kid in the inner cities of New York who is a prodigy when it comes to writing meets a meets a um a holden caulfield uh writing type kind of not holden caulfield but uh jd salinger type character a man who wrote the best book in all of uh american history and then he just never wrote another book again that was jd salinger with the, Cap the capture on the ride they put that in that's what sean connery is in finding forrester and then they have a back and forth relationship where they meet each other and their relationship grows from the times that they meet each other it's not as good as this and it's not just Robin Williams. It's the script. The script from scene to scene builds them to the point where he can look at him and break him down and be like, you went to the, go to the NSA job. What happened? And then Will just like slaughters this entire monologue. It's amazing about what he thinks would happen if he took the job, which is the worst thing that could ever happen if he took the job. And how that is basically driven by him letting Skylar leave and breaking up with her. And Robin Williams calls him on that shit. And he's like, look, we've been playing around and we've been having fun and everything. But, like, my job is to push you and challenge you and move you to a direction, a life with direction. And I'm gonna, I'm, uh, my job is to put, give purpose in your life. I'm going to soul you. And, I, and he calls him on. He's like, what do you want to fucking do? What do you want to do? You have the key to the city. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. What do you want to do? And he's like, I want to be a chef. He's like, fuck you. Get the fuck out. That's bullshit. Get out. Don't, don't fucking lie to me with that crap. You don't know what you're doing. Don't, you don't have an answer. And it's so important. It's so important because it's not mean. I thought for the first couple of times I watched that, I'm like, that's pretty aggressive, man. This dude is sick. And I was like, no, he says it. Nobody challenges him. And it's time for him to be challenged. Like, although Skyler leaves, that sucks. He didn't know that. Williams didn't know that. Maybe he'd approached it differently. But now that I'm watching this as adult, one of the one of the most interesting things is the relationship between Williams and his old college roommate, Professor Lombard. Like yep. that 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 yeah. conversation where like Williams is in his bar and he's telling the joke that Will told, and uh, the professor walks in. And he's like, hey, man, uh, get some sandwiches. Come on, man, sit down. Like, let's have a good – like, dude, I've, this is great. You brought this kid into my life. 
It's a really interesting time right now. Like we're talking, this is great, man. And he's like, why isn't he, why isn't he taking jobs? What's going on? Let's go. Why isn't he healing faster? And you start to understand what the relationship is. Like the professor is so condescending to Williams. It's insane. It's insane. I, I, it's so interesting, that relationship. What's in there? Like what we don't see. How like skeezy the professor is. Just hitting on everything. Mm, yeah. I love, it. I love it. Took me Later. a long time to see him at like like that character how you're describing. I'm like, I don't know, maybe he just like he actually want he wants you know, what's best for him. But then after all, I'm like, no, this guy's just a dick. He's just controlling this kid, trying to control this kid when that's not what the kid needs or wants. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, like, I'm taking this more of a take this more of an approach. I think this started with. Wonder Woman 84, like, and Patty Jenkins said it best, like, like, with her movies, like, she had said, like, I don't care if it's cheesy. If it's sincere, that's what matters. That's how I approach that. That's how I approach that. Like, yes. Like, yeah. it doesn't, like, to me, it didn't come across as cheesy. It, kept, it kind of came across as meaningful mm-hmm. and sincere. Like, I didn't, maybe I was too, maybe I was too far into it, but I didn't personally see cheese when i watched that scene or this entire movie like i think there's any cheese in there i think this is cheesy but at the same time i don't think there's anything wrong with that and it's only because i watch a lot of old movies and old movies didn't give a fuck when it came to cheese they were like we're gonna wear a hat on a sleeve you know (laughs) this is this is (laughs) basically that they they take this phrase and they call it Capra-esque. And there's a movie that I really love from the 90s written by one of my favorite writers called The American President. And it's about what if the what if the president started dating? And it's amazing, dude. It's so charming. It's so sweet. The world doesn't work this way. Nobody's this smart and witty. Who gives a shit? It's charming. It's cheesy. We love it. We want like sometimes you just want a little cheese on your sandwich, man. You just want a little like gooiness you want a little like warmth like you don't need explanation you just want to be hit with the heartstrings like that's all this is sometimes but sincerity is important and i think that comes into the fact that these guys sat on this for so long they believed in it not just in the story and the character like the characters every character has empathy for them every even the professor who's skeezing disgusting and really kind of an asshole to his friend instead at the end of the day Will is no longer getting controlled by him. He's doing his own thing. And he doesn't care about that anymore. He's just going to go have a drink with his friend. He just wants to know that things are friend, like things with his old friend are good. And they're on the path to make themselves better. And Williams, in that process, will make him better. And Will will make the professor better. And in the end, all of them for having meet each other will be better people. That's, that's written by people who care about the people they're writing about. That I love. I, I, I really love that. And that's probably because it went through so many filmmakers and storytellers saying, guys, you know, you have all these interesting people over here. Why are you shooting bullets and having car chases with the FBI over here? I get it. It's fun. <laughs> and it's great. That would, in my opinion, later be the – like somebody else has pointed this out. And I think this is a really good idea in my opinion, that the idea of the second half of this movie would be the accountant with Ben Affleck later. <laughs> 
Um, he's like a super smart guy that doesn't say anything. Is really isolated, really violent. He's a killer. Um, but like, yeah, just that idea of like, like again, you don't have to be like, you don't have to be like a like a genius to like relate to this guy, or to even get this mess, or to even get this movie's message. It's just like, it's just like. Um, it's kind of hard to nail it down, uh, but um, I guess what it says it's like, I just like how it says like the world is your oyster, and like, um, you don't have to, you don't have to like, like okay, like the world's your oyster. Uh, you could literally do, like. Even if you're like a gifted genius and you don't want to be that, you like you don't have to. Like, I am losing it because I am. Oh man! Um, somebody, please carry me. I'm losing my train of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crumbling uh, as we speak well, in lifetime. For me, the this is the second movie I consider this in a week. You know, the last podcast and then this one. I yeah. watched Soul and then I watched this. Like that. I've had a very uh, <laughs> intense, <laughs> physical, and mentally, I've had a week that's that intense, just physically and mentally intense. But Soul had this message where, yeah, you know, appreciate the little things, but there's also that other message of it doesn't matter what you want to do. You don't need to figure it out right now. But as long as you have this drive and this passion, you'll, you'll find it. You'll find many things in life that you that you enjoy doing, that you have passions for. And this movie kind of had that, too, where even if you are a super genius on a superhero level, okay, it doesn't matter. Even he didn't know what the hell he wanted to do. And he could have honest, he honestly he could have any job on the fucking planet if he wants. And he still doesn't know. And that's just something that I think everyone it doesn't matter how old you are or when you watch it. It's just that's a message that everyone needs to hear at least right. once, at least. It, and that's, yeah, I, I love I, that. I, and I just got hit with that twice in like a week. I'm like, oh, God. I would say there's two things that I noticed about this. A, um, especially after what you just said, um, when they're in the bar and um, – Williams is making the point to the professor about the Unabomber. What he's basically saying is the point of the film, which is that, like, you know, it doesn't matter. It's not necessarily it doesn't matter what you have. It's just, like, it, whether you're super smart, you have this gift, and it can be used as a commodity or whatever. Like, if you have a piece of yourself that can be utilized in society, you're still a human being. You're not a tool, and you can't treat people that way. If you do and you don't focus on how they are emotionally, you're going to break them. You're going to mishandle them. And I think the other element is this reminds me of how a lot of superhero movies might be done one day. Someone has uh, – like wouldn't it be great if there's an X-Men movie like this? What if Mutants oh, was like man. this? It would be oh, amazing. Man. Yeah, you have this character with the superpower. It's great. It's like Hancock. It's like fucking Hancock. Hancock is this love superhero that isn't utilizing his powers. And then Jason Bateman comes in and he's like, hey, man, I'm a PR person. I'm going to make you better. Like, this could be very much more interesting if it was younger and it was like, 
hey man you have the you have this gift you know you're farting around with your friends in town like maybe every now and then you use it to snap a bully in a bar but you don't want to call attention to yourself you're a little angry and kind of violent stuff like let's take you to a therapist <laughs> let's take you to the therapist and you'll have an emotional breakthrough and that catharsis will allow you to you know discover that what you want is to go see about a girl um but like yeah that whole scene with that that moment with ben affleck i was just like that also took me by surprise too because it's like mm-hmm. i was and i was actually kind of waiting for that too i was just like obviously like obviously he could see it too like this is tearing him apart and then so like and so ben affleck's just like listen you're probably one of the smartest people on earth right now. If you're going to waste that here, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it's spit in the face of everybody that works here. If you're still here in 20 years, I'm going to kill you. Like, he's literally just telling him, he's like, dude, he's like, he's basically telling him, do you want to be like me? <laughs> go out there, like, like, go out there and like, do something with this. Don't waste this. That's okay. That's the point I was trying to make. It's like, don't waste this. You know? Yeah. Like he's like in the movie, he's 21, probably one of the smartest people on earth. And he's just like directionless. I'm just like, and he's just like, don't waste this. Okay? Like, go after something. Use this. Like, that's what ultimately just like punched me again in the face. It's just like, like, don't waste this gift you know what i also find really interesting the the professor makes a point to williams in that bar scene as well i'm not even watching that but it's just making me think of this um he makes the point where he's like there's a man in india he's in the village you know his his sons are fishermen just sits in a bed all day like they found out that he could do fractions that could only be done by calculators made years later and it's like i mean the guy was just a happy guy in a village even though he had this gift, he didn't utilize it to be rich or anything. It was just one of the many things that he knew he could do to better his life to be a happy person. Like, Will doesn't have to work for the NSA. He doesn't have to work for anyone. And Mini Driver says it too. He's like, you don't have to do anything. You just have to want to do something. If you don't want to do anything, you're just wasting it. And his friend is like, yeah, dude, I know what you're capable of. And like... Yeah, if you were an average Joe sitting around sound, sure, we're all in the same position, but you're not. You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You gotta get the fuck out of here, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I uh, just... I think everybody, even Mini Driver, like, everybody in this movie crushes the performance. I even like the Danny Elfman score. I don't think it's bad. I just think it clashes with Elliot Smith's songs every now and then. But I, I love them both yeah. separately. I think the score's a bit much at times, but it's also very nice. That flute is very 90s. You couldn't get away from that flute. It was oh also very, very much in Titanic. Yeah. There is just total side note. When I was watching uh, Supernatural in the end, after every episode at the end, it's like this rock and roll and they get in their car and leave. And when I saw that, I was like, what the hell? It just reminded me of Goodwill Hunting. I don't know why. When <laughs> he drives off. Well, yeah. yeah and also just like Son the music. All of a sudden, oh, it's just like, and just this rock. You're like, what the, what? 
<laughs> like Goodwill Hunting Puss. God. Yeah, I don't know. Just after watching a two like a family and a half dying, and then all of a sudden they like get in this car and burn it, burn it, burn it. Reminded me of they're that. gonna go to heaven. I, I agree. It's okay. I just I agree I agree a little bit with Alex where it just it clashes a little bit, but I, I still like it. I still enjoy that kind of music, so I'm not gonna yeah. be upset hearing it. I love it. Just nostalgic as hell for me. Um just to think that Matt Damon would be Jason Bourne just like years like years yeah. later. Like that's that's crazy to me. Dude, to think that he would play Thor in a play in Asgard. I mean, come on. <laughs> it wasn't Thor. It wasn't Thor. He was, he was Loki. But, oh, he was Loki. That's right. He was Loki. Thor uh, was I, I honestly think when you look at the trajectory of where these two guys would go later, it's super interesting. Matt Damon totally went. I mean, Matt, uh, Ben Affleck totally went um, superstar route. Matt Damon would show up in a few more Gus Van Sant movies. He'd do smaller stuff. He'd do Talented Mr. Ripley. And then eventually he got the Bourne movies, sure. But even those are not average action movies of the time. They were, I, I would say, in part heavily. I don't remember which one came first, that or Casino Royale. No, you know what? It was Bourne. Bourne changed everything. Yep. Bourne, Bourne changed identity how was action movies look. Yeah, Bourne changed everything. And. From then on, yeah, he proved that he was an actor to start, but he didn't do that. What did he do? The Oceans movies. And he got in that game, yep. and he got involved with George Clooney a lot and did stuff with him. Um, he's he's tight-knit, but you know what? He never came back to Affleck that much. Affleck went back to Smith a lot, and it's not like they weren't, be- it's not like they weren't good friends. They have a production company, and they live together. Not live together, but they live like next to each other pretty much uh, in city. And um, they just work working wise. They never really went back together. I think Jennifer Lopez probably had something to do with that and that whole phase of his career. Affleck's, I mean, and then Affleck would be would drink and stuff for a while. But then he went his own route. Some people say that Matt Damon would have been Jeremy Renner's part in the town. And I think possibly and I don't think it's because Affleck wanted to do something different. He did something different with Gone Baby Gone which is amazing in and of itself. But I, I just think their careers went different, interesting ways. And I, I can't wait for the day that they come back together. Maybe, they've, maybe they're going to sit on a movie for another five years and run it by another few famous directors before they go ahead and mm-hmm. do something like this again. But it's hard to say. Ben Affleck has proven with Argo and The Town and Gone Baby Gone that he can produce really good 90s dad movies. They're not bad. But this is Two Minds. Two Minds came up with this, and then Gus Van Sant came in and was like, I'm going to make this as natural looking as possible. I'm going to get all your, you and your friends really, I'm going to make it really feel like you're hanging out with these guys. And he does it again in Finding Forrester. He casts all natural uh, non actors to be the friends of the main character, who is, again, an actor who hadn't really done anything, Rob Brown. So, like, it, it, Gus Van Sant's nat- ability to find naturalism and realism within these films and these stories and these scripts is a lot why this film succeeds, too. And then Robin Williams is the cherry on top. And, but my last question would be, at the end of the day, do you think do you think that they get together? Do you think he gets her in California? 
Oh, just the way, uh, the way I think, I, the way my imagination goes, I'd say yes. Peter? Um, I, I contemplated that actually, uh, after I watched it and after you left, and I think maybe it was like the next day, um, the way they were, uh, it, uh, it's so, it's so hard to describe. The way she was talking to him um, when they were kind of fighting and she was opening herself up and being vulnerable and he was just closing himself off more and more and more and hurting her more and more and more. And yet she was still trying. And the next day she was still trying. I don't consider that being desperate. I think she knows that she loves him to the point where it doesn't matter how much of a guard he puts up because she knows that he's putting up a guard. She's not thinking this guy's just an asshole to me. She knows that this guy has got problems and she's trying to help him. It didn't work, but she's still trying to help him. And I don't think that tainted anything um, in the end. And I think when he shows up and it's a surprise, I think they get together and I think they, they love each other as long as they possibly can. <clears throat> and and work on each other as long as they possibly can because no relationship is perfect and clearly she knows what she's getting into she knows she's getting into a relationship with like a super genius that has uh childhood trauma and was you know neglected and abused verbally and uh physically and you know kind of all of the above really that that guy that kid had a lot of hell and torment in his childhood and she knows that she knows that now. She knows what she's getting into, and I, that's the whole point of a relationship. You work with one another, and I, I just, I, I liked, I liked that idea that he gets there, and he apologizes, and she knows that was talking. That was the, that was kind of this guard that he has put up just in his life for twenty-one years. That's just how he would treat such, any situation like that. And I think she knew that. I think she she would, you know, accept the apology and they would move on from that. And yeah, get together. There's a part of me that feels like he like hurt her hard. But I do think so too. I, I think that he gets in, he does the sweep. I don't think he sweeps her off her feet, but I think the... Him not calling her and then going to the dorm room and her see her seeing him and being like, "Hey, I I'm glad you're here and you didn't screw it up. Just you know, let's go, let's go out. I can't go out tonight. Let's go out tomorrow." Like I think that's what happens later, but in the grand ski like grand cinematic sweeping off your feet type of way, we just don't need to see it. I think like. A movie that reminds me of this in terms of how that does that would be Jerry Maguire, but one of the best parts of Jerry Maguire is the ending and them getting back together. And this doesn't need to show that. The whole point of the movie is this is about a young man getting drive, earning drive through the relationship of everyone. The last shots of the film should be him driving. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> what a freaking call, dude. Freaking on the money. <laughs> I love nice. this movie. I think it's great. I I think this is this is not the movie that made me fall in love with this director, but this I think 
is the best thing this director has ever made. I think it's everyone involved. This is the magic movie. Everyone involved in this touched it in some magical way. And it produced stars and great performances and a great product. And it was perfect. It was perfect. It was like Raiders or just uh, uh, The Matrix. Just everything involved. Every hand that yeah. touched it was perfect. Um, and, and blossomed forth a change in cinema. One last thought before we go into grading um, that I'm having as I'm watching the bench scene. Like, mm. it's amazing to me that one of the funniest people to have ever walked the earth could play could play a character this freaking well. Like that just yeah. amazes me. Like I haven't seen well, I haven't seen a lot of Robin Williams's like serious stuff. I'd say like this is the first one. Yeah, I think this might be the oh, first one. Yay. Like nice, dude. So nice. like for me, this also now that I think about it, it's just like one of the funniest people that I have ever seen plays a character this well is amazing to me. Like, we, so there may never be another Robin... There will, no, there will never be another Robin Williams. Never. No. No, there never will. I, I, One of this a kind. This is what I find very funny. Three, th- th- three things I want to say. A, Peter, remember when we were talking to Brian Levant and he's like, I went on Mork and Mindy and basically they couldn't wrangle this, like powerhouse of a star and I came in and brought like structure and stuff to it and mm-hmm. you see what Robin Williams would be later and it's like yeah man my crazy career um, mm-hmm. but um, in terms of Robin Williams being a serious actor the three movies that I would mainly I would sit, well, often say three but like The World According to Garp which was the first real serious movie he'd ever make which I honestly think has aged very well in terms of him performing like his performance is great also John Lithgow got an Oscar nom it's based on my favorite book of all time he's great in it Um, Good Morning Vietnam which is fantastic and he's fantastic in it's I I can't wait for you to see it Young Forrest Forrest Whitaker Um, um Probably what most people would argue is the best role he's ever had. While this is his best performance, Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet. That was another recommendation in my YouTube feed when I rented this. That is what most people would argue is the contender between this. He's not necessarily the lead in that movie. It's mostly about the kids, and he teaches them. But he is as good in that movie as he is in this. There's also Awakenings with him and Robert De Niro. And um, although I don't think this really adds up to any of those, I think those are all his best, per, like, ser- serious real-person performances. Fisher King is not really a real performance, but he that is a great performance. Yeah. Um, he, did a, he did a Nolan movie with Al Pacino called Insomniac that was a remake of a, a Norwegian or Swedish film where he is a killer that Al Pacino has to tracked down but Al Pacino accidentally shoots his partner Robin Williams sees it and so the cat and mouse game is tainted by the fact that Robin Williams knows that Al Pacino killed his partner it's actually great not bad huh uh just this this movie is so good that I'm just I'm just kind of casually scrolling on my my uh Instagram explore feed and the scene with uh, with Robin Williams and Matt Damon when he's talking about his wife farting just like popped up on my fe- yeah. on my feed. That's how that's how good this movie is. It's just like coincidentally on my feed as I'm talking about it. Like that's Years just, later. it's always there. It's always there. 
I'm watching the uh, the scene where they're at the dog race, and um, they actually did bet on that dog, and that dog did actually win, and that was her finding out that movie. Holy crap! Did they win this any money? Yeah, she did. They bet on it. That's that's why she. <laughs> oh my god! That's, that's awesome. amazing. That's so and cool. That was like, yeah, yeah. Race the dog, see what happens. Pretend that it wins if it doesn't win. But it totally won, and she was like, "I'm so beaming from my win." <laughs> that's amazing i think this movie has the golden touch yeah i just think this movie has the golden touch it may i think over the years this is a this is a prime representation i think the best 90s cheesy wholesome movie is shawshank redemption mostly because it doesn't go with the ambiguous ending it just basically gives you the happy ending this I think is another is equal to that ability. This is this is a perfect '90s cheesy warm movie that years from now people are going to say is like the '30s or the '40s or the '50s. You're like, God, that movie's cheesy. That movie's just cheesy. It's dated, and people will say that. But I think if you're smart and you're close to the era that we are, you're going to see it for what it is. And hopefully, over the time, I think people will. Certainly, more time that people spend away from Robin Williams. And look back at his work this will certainly be one of those things that just they'll have to return to and see it for what it is yeah if, if it were my choice this movie should have gotten it not titanic oh wow. i just disagree peter's disagree. gonna go that far with just, the hot takes I, dude i just really i've never i mean i like titanic but this this personally this gives me better vibes and good energy and a good message more than Titanic did, if I'm describing it in that sense. Of course, they're completely different movies, but like I've just enjoyed this more than I enjoyed ti- Titanic. And for that selfish reason, I think that's why it's the one. I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. I respond more to this as a like white male in America with a. You know, <laughs> But well, don't don't just taint it for me. Hold on a second. I'm taking it from me is what I'm saying. I'm saying that's why I respond to it more. But I also there are other reasons too. It's just a male-oriented film. When I was a kid, and I responded to it in 1997, I was like 11. But Titanic, as an 11 year old, I was like, ew, Titanic, gross. As I've grown up, the achievement of Titanic, the the. The, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I, the Titanic is an absolute achievement. It's incredibly entertaining. It, it's so it's an action film and a romance for everyone. And I, I, I'm just the very fact of him holding her on the bow with her arms up. Ninety percent of that shot is CGI, and it's brilliant. I just think it's. I think that movie is brilliant. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It was the achievement. It was the best picture of 1997. It really was. But any other year, it was this. And it's just like, that's the thing about the Oscars. Like, that's why um, 2007, 10 years later, is so important to me. You had Michael Clayton, No Country for Old Men, and There Will Be Blood. Are you kidding me? Do you know what it was also up against this year? Remember we saw There Will Be Blood? Mm-hmm. The best, that director made his second movie, it's called Boogie Nights, which most people consider his masterpiece outside of There Will Be Blood. That was also up against Titanic and Good Will Hunting. Like, it was just a good fucking year. Who cares about the Oscars, man? You got three of the best yeah. movies. You can't wait for you to see Boogie Nights. Chris, I'm going to show you Boogie Nights before I show you There Will Be Blood, but I showed There Will Be Blood to Peter because I think he could have gotten into it first. And, like, 
Paul and Punch Drunk Love. Like he made that yes. too. Yes. Like, the guy who made those two movies made his masterpiece. Whoa. Hang on, Alex, your your most better movie of the year. Say that again. Can you hear me now? Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that that director put out what people would say is his masterpiece the same year that this and Titanic came out. Like there are people who say that movie should have won. Like I just think 10 years later, they did it again in 2007 by having just an excellent year of movies. And that's not even counting the fact that 1999 was the best year of movies in the 90s, period. Phantom Menace. Yeah, man. I'm just fortunate to have seen this and like movies like it. I just, it's one of those, I saw this meme the other day where, uh, you know, you feel like your whole life has changed after you walk out of the movie theater after watching just this epic movie. You're like, wow, you know, I just feel like a new person. You feel like the main character in your own movie. Like, that's how I felt when I watched that. Whereas, just, you know, the world the world is your oyster. You may have been dealt with shitty cards, but like, God, you got to You got to try. You got to push. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad hit you really good peter i i was hoping i knew when i put this on the wheel chris that you would like it it's just the kind of movie that i know that you didn't know was out there when you explained the kind of movies that you always wanted to see and i knew this was out there for you i was like god he's gonna love google hunting he's gonna fucking love it and i did (laughs) yay it's like about time i was like i know he's gonna love about time i just know it he's gonna watch this and it's gonna be exactly what he needs um, the more, like, ever since, like, Patty Jenkins came out and said, it doesn't have to, like, I, like, she, like, I don't care if it's cheesy. If it's sincere, that's all that matters. Like, that is, like, when Susie said that, I'm like, she's freaking right. Like, so there's one more, there's one more, I would say two things to that, uh, that I want to say earlier. A, that is what more old movies are going to offer you that you're not going to see in movies nowadays. Th- that exists, but this kind of stuff is certainly relatable or relatable to movies of old, but there's a silent film that a like about time and like Good Will Hunting called Sunrise, a story of two souls that I think will speak to you the same way that these two movies did. And you will watch and be like, Alex, thank you. And it just shows that from all these different eras from like five years ago to 20 years ago to fucking a hundred years ago, that there's something out there for you of this quality. So, shall we grade? Oh, if man. If, there, if there's nothing left to say. I could, I mean, we could all talk about this movie for hours and hours and hours more. I we went no past doubt. the length, we went past the length of this movie. I, I we, we, okay, so I started the movie when we started the podcast. Okay. Um, and we started talking about it. Probably at the time that she was at the airport and he was on the bench. Right I now, see. since we since we've started or since we've ended, she's um, in the middle of telling the joke about the Irish couple in bed, and that is, which I love that joke. Oh, Paji, I love it. That's an hour in. That's an hour in. So we got oh, half. Yeah. We got. We basically got an hour and a half in to this movie right. talking about it. Right. I love. Yeah, I always have. Now, what do you want? <laughs> Let me give you. <laughs> um who wants to go first not me really 
I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was ready to grade this before we even started talking about it. This is a five for me, or uh, sorry, an A plus. There we go. <laughs> we, we grade, we grade it differently on on my other podcast. I was starting to get worried. <laughs> I give it a purple. I give it four hemorrhoids. Oh, wrong podcast. Sorry. Statistical <laughs> podcast. Get your priorities straight up there. Medical podcast. Sorry. Um, um I'm going to go. Okay. Do you, so you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, this is a hard one, too. I'm very nostalgic for this movie. I also think that the, the story behind it is so magical. And um, I think uh, there's a lot of great things about this that have aged over the time for me. Robin Williams is obviously the best part of it, but I think Damon, I've really walked away and was like, Damon was great. Ben Affleck is really funny, but like he puts a great, that funny character that you enjoy for being comical at the very end just gives you this like uppercut of a scene and kills it in one take. And you're like, great. Casey Affleck is incredibly hilarious, but he would go on to be an incredibly amazing actor. Like I, there's so many great things about how this movie came together and to be what it is. And yeah, I think like the slow motion fight is a little cheesy, I think it's not your fault yeah, is kind of true. a little cheesy. There are some things about it that take me out of it a little bit, but none of it is enough for me to say that it, it, it isn't amazing and it isn't great and it isn't perfect for what it is. Would I change anything about it? Would I make anything about it better? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you didn't need as many scenes with Will and the friends in the first half. Maybe you could have cut a couple of those, but then again, there is a scene where Casey Affleck has sex with a baseball glove. So, I mean, what am I talking about? <laughs> I about that. Uh, so honestly, I think it's perfect. And I just, I, I think it's an A plus. I honestly do. I, I just think there's not, like I thought I was going to come back to this and think there's some cheesy things that would make it an A. And yeah, you know what? I actually do think that, it is kind of overwritten at times. It is there are some lines that are a little bit too far and a little bit too corny that now seeing what these two guys have made sense then as writers and directors, that could have been better. But um maybe for that I would say it's probably an A. Um this is yeah, because this isn't a Godfather. Godfather like is an out the gate perfect movie from even an like a kind of an amateur and these guys are amateurs too but it's all about the passion and what comes out of it at the end so like i don't know if i can i'm gonna say a plus yeah a plus just because nostalgia Woo! brings it to the tip for me nostalgia brings it to the end to me i love robin williams i love this movie i love the vibe i love elliot smith there's so much there's so much good that came out of this film there's so much sadness mm. and it's about so many things that work for me you know what i'm gonna change it a I'm gonna say A. Okay. A. I talked okay. myself down a bit. Yeah. All right, my turn. Um. So, I freaking love this movie. I think it's absolutely perfect. That there's absolutely no flaw within it that I can recognize. Um. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Yeah. So, I'm watching. So I'm watching. So as I watch this movie and, like. 
just the way this movie goes, it's just like he's incredibly gifted, but he has no direction. And he's, just, and he's like, and Robin Williams, instead of, instead of when he, when he takes him in and like listens to him and almost darn, literally assaults him, like just grabs his throat. And he's just like, I want to see him again. It's like, it's like, I'm not gonna give up on this guy. Like, I need, like, I want to crack this case, um, so yeah. to speak. And like, how that develops, and so, um, and how he's just like, you have all of this. Like, you could literally do whatever you want. What do you want to do? And um, like I said earlier, it's just like when his brother, or when with Ben Affleck, God, when Ben Affleck talks to him, and it's just like, like if you're here in twenty years, I will kill you. Do not waste this. Do not waste what you have. Like, do something with this. And like, and then he finally make, puts that letter in there, and he's like, he puts the letter. He's like. Like uh, I went. Like he told. He told um, he repeated a line that Robin Williams had said in the movie, and he's like, "Son of a bitch stole my line." <laughs> I was and um, but like that just I just felt that, and like I felt everything that this movie had to offer. At this time, he's like, now I really want to need to freaking write something like A plus, A plus, yeah, A plus. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I mean this in the best way possible. It's only because I've seen so many other films, and it's only because of people like David Lynch and P.T. Anderson and Coen Brothers that I know that there is a there is a world of weird out there that goes beyond this quality. This is quality that this is a kind of movie that everyone can watch at any time in their lives and be affected by a movie. This is a movie for everybody. I kind of like movies that take it one step further and lose and lose some people and get a little bit weirder. There's a part of me that, and it's not just about the achievement of Titanic. I think Titanic is an A plus just for its achievement alone. I don't think that's what I'm comparing this to. There's a part of me that's comparing this to Boogie Nights. I know you guys haven't seen this, but there's something about that movie that is moving on a level that's somewhat ahead of its time as a film. I think that that's where this movie hits its glass ceiling. It doesn't push boundaries. It is, however, perfect. A perfect movie for what it is. It's not aged improperly, but it is a perfect example of what its movie is for its time. Whereas, like, Boogie Nights, there's something about that thing that is just a little bit... Uh, transcendent and that's what i'm kind of looking for for my a pluses these days and i know that we haven't hit a lot of those here i feel like princess mononoke is one of those i watched it and i was like this is so much bigger than me in so many ways i can't explain it and just taking one week to look at it isn't enough i gotta be honest i'm glad i bought it i i'm looking at it on my on my youtube and every now and then i'm like i kind of I don't want to go back to that world. I kind of want to look at that scenery again. I kind of want to watch this kid trying to use peace to stop this war. And I, I like, 
there's a part of me that wants to go back to that masterpiece because there's so much more to it. I don't think that there isn't, I don't think that I'm saying that there isn't a lot to Good Will Hunting. I just think that there's so much to it that I already know and have chewed on and into already that it doesn't have that mystery magical factor that other films that I enjoy do. And I think a big thing that's going to hit you when we get there is Coen Brothers movies. They, they are the kind of film that and PT Anderson just showing Peter, there will be blood and punch truck love and watching those again with him. I was like, this guy's on another level. Holy crap. But the Coen brothers, Chris, when we get to these guys and the fact that they've made as many movies as they have is going to blow you the fuck away. Um, but this, for what it is, is absolutely amazing. It's for everybody. It's a, it's a Wizard of Oz. It's a Casablanca. But it's not a Godfather, is all I'm saying. It isn't a 2001 Space Odyssey, which is what I look for. You, you look for this, and to be honest, I need that in my life. I'm trying to be more populist. I'm trying to empathize with populist culture, which is why I think Titanic deserved to win. There's a reason why the Beatles are who they are. There's a reason why they defined pop. It's because they got weird and they experimented at a certain point. But it was still for everybody. Not everybody loves Abbey Road as much as they love Revolver. Maybe some people like Rubber Soul as much as they love White. But the fact that they did it all in the span of years, like one or two years, there, there are artists out there like that. And that's kind of what I'm looking for for my A pluses. So yeah, there you go, everyone. Um, Goodwill Hunting. We did it. We did it. I'm so happy you loved it. It cannot be said enough. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. You are dearly missed. Robin Williams, I miss you. Rest in peace, Robin Williams and Elliot Smith. Drink hey, up, baby. Stay up all night. I've been think I've been singing that song a lot lately. Gentlemen, in the bombs. Yes, it's time to spin a wheel. Woo! God. We're spinning. We're embarking on a whole new adventure. Oh as my we are God, spinning the no. series wheel. Is it going to turn off Good Will Hunting? <laughs> no, <he's not>. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it. I watched three and a half hours of Good Will Hunting. <laughs> Woo! I love doing this show for that very reason, too. You, Chris, <laughs> are the main reason I love doing this show, but I oh. also love... God, dude, I'm just... I think about movies every now and then that I can't wait for you to see. Like, this guy's never seen Django Unchained. I can't wait for you to see I might actually be seeing that soon. So, um... The video <sighs> producer, the video producer at my church, one of his favorite movies is Django Unchained. So, in, as a Christ. ploy, as a <laughs> as a ploy to relate to him more, I might, I might just go ahead and watch that movie. Here's here's what I'm gonna say, Chris. If okay. you watch that movie, please, please, I, you don't have to talk about it on here, but I really do want to talk about that with you because it 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 is such a good hero's journey. Such a good hero's journey, like Star Wars level hero's journey, superhero level hero's journey. But it's also a lot of N words, a lot of violence, and very Tarantino. So like, <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And are we talking Fast like? Are we not to say that he hasn't changed much since like his early movies? But are we talking like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Tarantino? Or are we talking more like modern Tarantino? This is an entirely different Tarantino than 
Pulp. Well, I would say in terms of Django, no, in Django, in terms of Django Unchained, I would say the closest thing to it would be. Hmm. Samuel, maybe Samuel Jackson's or Bruce Willis's storylines in Pulp Fiction. Okay. Bruce Will, Bruce Willis's storyline in Pulp Fiction is a good one. Okay. But but Django Unchained, unlike oh no, you know what? The closest thing to it would be Kill Bill. They're okay. both revenge stories, and they're both about people who go on journeys. Um, but there are three there are three um, sections of Tarantino. There's the early California crime pictures, those first three movies. There's the three like genre pieces: Kill Bill, Death Proof, and Jack. Uh, not Jack Brown. I'm sorry. Um, one more, but uh, and then there's the the historical pieces he's done lately. Django. Um, uh, oh yeah, Hateful Eight was the other one. But Django give you, and Hollywood. I will give you a small teaser though. Um, Corridor Crew did um, Stuntman React and yeah. the uh, the shootout scene in the mansion showed up. And I just have to say, those squibs are amazing. Yeah. Like they yeah. they are. There's way too much blood, but that doesn't matter. It's just so crazy. Like I, I'm gonna, it's over the top, I, and say, I love it. <laughs> it is. It is. I don't know what that says about me, though. Well, no, that's the point. Like, there's no like. Yeah, Tantino's like it's just blood. It's just violence on film. Enjoy it. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. But uh, he's there's more to it than that. But when it comes to Django, it is basically hero's journey. You're watching him fight for his life. You rooting for him. That is one of the blo- that is the bloodiest moment on film. It is not a bloodless film. I'll tell you that though. It, this is yes. this is a movie where those squibs go off a lot. I'm gonna say a lot, a lot. But like. Yeah. Dude, Leonardo DiCaprio, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Django Unchained is it's so much fun, but it's also has so much hate in it and a lot of disgusting stuff. Yeah. Be prepared for that. I'm, There's I'm ready. It's rough. Side man. note side note though, Alex, you'd really like that YouTube channel. I know I've I've uh, told you about it before, but you guys they talked about Yeah, they 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 do the stuntman react now. They have animators react, and they've had uh, just reacting yeah. to bad and great CGI. But they also just yeah. like do little things. But you you just like I know you like that stuff. You like it. This that channel is how I come came to find out about who killed Captain Alex. I, That's how I figured I out what was in there. I hated that we go that got off the wheel. Anyway, um, I. I think Django Unchained. That's but that uh, this all started because yeah. No, every wait now a minute. And then I think what? Of a movie, every now and then I think of a movie and I'm like, I can't wait for Chris to see this. Django Unchained was one of them, and oh. Green, Good Will Hunting was one of them for a long time. I was like, I can't wait to get Good Will Hunting on the wheel, and then it got on the Good Will. I was like, yes, and then we landed on. It. I was like, yes, dude. I'm just I, there Alex are movies has every been now streaking. And then I'm very, watch. I'm very afraid. I'm streaking, but also this is a prime example. It doesn't happen often. About Time was another one where I knew I want. If I had a wish, it would be to fast track these movies. There, uh, Django is one of those movies. Yeah, like literally. No, like he's streaking. Like I see him out in the parking lot now. 
Oh God, that's more oh, than well, I needed to see. Cold outside. I got to make sure that I can handle these kind of temperatures. You know, it's only going to get colder outside, and if I'm going to do more streaking, I just got to prepare. So, Peter, I you're going to have to do something about this. I'm not going out there. I made sure that I exercised beforehand, and I was sweating before I got outside, so I was already really wet, and it was like a cold sweat. So I'm I'm just like licking every like pole just to give myself energy and like I'm, uh, myself. No, I'm committed. I mean, I'm committed. I'm committed to the bit. I actually looked out my window. <laughs> I'm committed to the bit. I'm actually naked right now. So, I've been I've been making this fire for for a few hours now, just trying to stay warm, and I and I'm gonna feed. Uh, Alex's fire too. So Alex, just be naked. If you want to be naked, you do you, man. Sweet. All right. Uh, sweet. I'm gonna go back into All the right. tree then. Do we have suggestions for the series wheel? Oh I think we need to back catalog first, sadly, because yeah. Peter does not know. Yeah. Okay. So back Sorry. catalog is as follows. <clears throat> the expendables, scream, taken, Star Trek, yes, all of them. Before <laughs> oh um The Chronicles of Riddick. View askew minus dogma because we did that. Uh, Shrek. Clarify, clarify that the before trilogy, the two the yes. two ones that I already showed you, Peter, because Peter, know, well, I think you know what those are. Yeah. The before trilogy. The two, the two couple that meet and then ten years later they meet and then meet again. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, before Chronicles of Riddick, view askew minus dogma because we already did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shrek. Um. How to Train Your Dragon, the Dark Knight Trilogy, um, The Hunger Games, RoboCop, Death Wish, Rush Hour, Beverly Hills Cop, Three Ninjas, The Mighty Ducks, Twilight, The Man with No Name, Monsterverse, and Alex Cross. Because I'm sadistic at some times. Uh, oh my god. So we're okay, considering think- these... It's not like... Um, a mini these series, like a TV show that's like an hour yeah. each episode. Where right. these are like movies, okay? These are movies, right? I mean, okay, okay, okay. yeah. If I wanted to, I mean, I see your caveat because if I wanted to, that's how I would get Twin Peaks to return on there. But no, these ah, are this is yeah, I get it. This is legit um series franchises. Movies. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it has I to. Mean, the franchise has to have more than three movies. That's at least yes. at least three or at more least than three. three. Okay, at least three. Shoot, man. I mean, that's like pretty much on the spot. But I, I like a lot of those, so I'd be happy with a lot of those. Uh, Star Trek would be a grind, though. That's my thing. Yeah, I know the one. I know the one I want already. Uh, go ahead. All right, go ahead, Alex. It's back. Chronicles of Riddick, man. Back catalog for sure. That's okay. three entirely different movies, all starring Vin Diesel as one character that's pretty badass. They're all sci-fi. They're great. One's a horror movie. One's a big-scale action sci-fi film. And then the third one's uh, like a Western, kind of a, a bounty hunter Western thing. Very Mandalorian. Yeah. I don't know I, what they're watching outside of my living room, but they're having a fucking blast. I really – I don't know. I'm just drawing a blank. There's so – so much out there, dude. I mean, Toy Story is that an, is that an option? I mean, that counts. Yeah, Toy Story. Yeah, sure. that's that. You could add that. Um, that's not even on our backlog. No, you wanted to do I, I Pixar as a whole. I yeah, no, you I did, wanted I did. to do Pixar that's as a whole. Yeah, and I was dude, like, do that, do that, do that. No, 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 no. That's too series. much because because Toy Story is a legit probably the best franchise out of Pixar. Yeah, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it for the, I'll do, I'll do it for the troops. Toy Story. What? what? Now, before I give my pick, do we want to come to a consensus on what Zach would pick, or do we want to try and message him? And I then, think then uh, deliberate for five minutes, and then if we come to a decision before he messages us back, why don't you message him? I'll message, message him, and, him then, and then yeah, we'll see what happens. My guess though is he's gonna and make sure when you message him, you message him the back catalog, um, right. uh, or is ask if he has the two. But um, uh, my guess would be he's gonna say scream. Um, okay, let me get to uh, Facebook here. I'm going to do it on my computer so I can copy and paste the backlog. See, um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, we, we've done three movie uh, franchises before. We've done long ones before. But like, there's something about the um, painful, sadomasochistic vibe of the DCU or Star Trek yeah. that I just love the idea of. Like Star Trek in general, because you go through two basic generations of tv shows and then we end up in like the three movies they made with jj abrams so like it's all gonna be crazy i i have some other ideas like they don't have to go on there but lord of the rings i don't know if you guys have done that the avengers uh mc the mcu the mcu that's 23 movies so what we've decided decided if we're gonna do that if we're gonna do that then we're gonna do it by phase Okay. Just to, like, that cut that sense. down. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, uh, and we also, we have the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit together, and it's oh, already on the Oh, nice, nice. Zach has you, been You already messaged. did Indiana. Wait, he's channels, active. Right? He did do Indiana, yes. Okay. Um, Talk to us, Zach. Born. What you want? We could do Spider-Man again. No, just kidding. Uh, um... We hey, already did. John this. Wick is a good one. You guys done John Wick? We have not added. John we have Wick. not. I have toyed with it, but the third one wasn't out when I when I was thinking about it. Even um, though that movie, next... even though those movies are more about the action, as Alex said earlier. Mm. Like, previously. what about Men in Black? Was that on there? You guys ever done that? No, we have not. He wants to know what's on the list right now, so I'm gonna text him that. I'm not reading it yet. The Terminator, maybe. That's already that on there. On the Dang list. it! <laughs> uh, yeah, scream, scream. Um, Ice Age. Yeah, we've covered a lot. Ooh, that's uh, painful. Okay, all right. That's painful. <laughs> what? I love the first one, but I have not gone further than that. Oh wow! Um, Ooh, hmm. he has come back. He said the Karate Kid. Ooh. Okay, yeah, because of Cobra Kai. I've been wanting to go back to the Karate Kid. Yeah, for sure. That's a good one. Old ones, okay. not the new ones, he said. He wants the old ones. Would Jurassic Wait, Park... Wait, there is... There... We already did Jurassic yeah, Park, even though those episodes got deleted. Park. We Rip. did already do those movies, yeah. Yeah. We're not doing them again. <laughs> If we do it'll be I mean years we later. could if we really wanted to. Not not so soon. Not so soon. That was that only like do, a year ago. So. Yeah, should do Harry Potter. Oh, I'm just kidding. We we do have Harry Potter. Um so basically a- ask him if he means the first three movies with uh Daniel's son and also the fourth movie with Hilary Swank. 
Because I would take the fourth movie with Hillary Swank as well. Because that also uh, has Miyagi. That somebody. include the one with Hillary Swank. Okay. Swanky. I'm game for that. It's still Miyagi. He's still teaching. So we're going to avoid a response from him, but he wants Karate Kid. Either way, that's going on there. Right, that's going on there. What about you, Chris? You're the, you're the straggler. Uh, more wholesomeness. How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah! Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Love the... Because, what? Because not depressing enough for you? No, okay, no, no. So here's you, what I was going to well, do. Here's what I was going to do. See, now, the... Um, the rebuild movie, the rebuilds of uh, Evangelion, the the remakes, right? Um, the remake movies. The final one is coming out in two weeks in Japan. So, but we're not going to get like a DVD of it for a while. Mm. So I was like, there's the first three movies, but that, I don't want to like end on a cliffhanger. So... And Zach said no. Well, were the, just uh, were part one, actually, part two, part three. Did they actually go out in theaters in Japan? Yes. Okay, they count. They count technically. We got the Marine on there. I want you to shut your mouth, okay? <laughs> um. Well, then I'm kind of wondering what was his caveat for not having it on there. Um. He's typing right now, so maybe. Ooh. You do technically, I mean, I don't know if these, how do these, do these new movies just tell the story of the entire show too? You could just watch them on He says the 1980s one, the 1980s one that serves as the prequels to Cobra Kai. I know, ask him. That counts as Hillary Swank, doesn't it? Okay, that's, yes, okay. Well, that wasn't made in the 80s, it was made in the 90s, but it still has Miyagi. I'm counting it, it's four movies, we're going to do it. Um, so are we overriding that we're doing the one with Hillary Swank? No, we are doing it. We're going to override him. It's going to happen. If he's going to make me do those two freaking Fantastic Beast movies, I'm doing, I'm going to make him do Hillary Swank. Okay. It's still a karate Um, kid and it's still Miyagi. Um, overruled. Hillary Swank one is... Uh, will be included. This was a democratic decision. Okay, add a bitch in there. There we go. Ah, nice. Overruled. Uh, Hillary Swank 1 will be included. This was a democratic decision. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, no bitch, but that's okay. All right, cool, sweet. Take it. Uh, Chris, <laughs> so, Chris, got a decision. Yes. No, I've decided. It's uh, How to Train a Dragon. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, I yeah. object, are... not part of the trilogy, he says. Yeah, no, it is. It doesn't. That's not the point. The point is it's part of the series. It's the series wheel, not the trilogy wheel. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> All right, Alex is arguing hardcore, so take well, it up. So I'm just going to redirect him to, you, to, to him. I'm going to redirect him I, I, to I, you. 
tr- trust me, I'll take care of it. But at the end of the day, he's still saying the Karate Kid movies. He's still with the first Zero Stone involved in this conversation. That his, that's what he's fine for. Miyagi trains another girl. And Hillary Swank and the Smith ones are are standalone movies with no continuity to the no, first three. Are you, no, 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 that is not true. Miyagi is the one that trains her in the, the fourth movie. We're not doing the one with... Uh, the no, one we're with, not doing uh, Jaden Smith. Smith. Not Jaden yeah, Smith. No, no. Uh, I almost said karate. Karate. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It, no, Miyagi trains her. Okay. That's Alex is arguing hardcore, so argue with him about it. All right, so that takes care of that. Uh, so we got the Chronicles of Reddick, Toy Story, Karate Kid, and How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, yeah, he just missed a trick. Gladly. Zach, Alex, Zach is coming for you. <laughs> What is he gonna do? What is he? Is he gonna leave after the third one? He's just gonna drop out of. What the hell is he talking about? Why? Why doesn't um, he want to talk about the whole thing? I don't get it. So I, I'm just I gonna. I don't think he knows that Miyagi trains her. I think he's just like. Do you? Another... Do you guys trust me, or do I need to share the screen? I, I just want to see the screen. I just want to see okay. it. Okay. I right. trust you. I just like to see it. Right. The thrill. Hold on, real quick. Okay, nothing on, on nothing on Army Hammer. We're <laughs> on Army Hammer yet. Damn it! Damn it! Okay. Um. <laughs> so, all right, Karate Kid, Tiger King, Dragon Chronicles, of Reddick, Toy Story, spin. Oh, we're spinning. Oh, oh, oh. yes! Oh, I can't see yes! it. Yes! 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 Take that! Take that with you! How to train a dragon! I love these movies so much! Oh no, I probably follow you. You'll have me me on. I'll gladly be on for those. So so you got the the Kung Fu's and you got the How to Train Your Dragon. Look at you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) DreamWorks for the win. They've been robbed for like 18 years. Uh, it won the up. first one. Oh, they, uh, Shrek. They have it once yeah, in Shrek. First. I know, but that's the first one. I, that's the, that's first, the first animated Oscar ever. No, that was Lion King. No. What? No. The Lion King lost to Shrek. Is, are you staring? No, 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 I gotta no, stop no, staring. No. I'm saying that I'm saying that the animated the best animated feature was never created until Shrek and Shrek One. Lion King, and, there was no category for it with the and, Lion King. And DreamWorks hasn't won since, so. And I respectfully disagree with that. I I love How to Train Your Dragon movies. I do. I see nothing wrong with them. Um, and you love them. Okay, I'm gonna, actually them. I gotta stop sharing again. Sorry, hang on. I, I did that in the wrong order. I don't know if Zach is kind of man. Okay, so let me just fix this wheel real quick. Get rid of these. On the series wheel as it stands. Um, shoot. How did I just... Okay, there we go. Oops. On the series wheel as it stands right now. Terminator. As I type these in okay. in real time. Okay. <laughs> the, DC, the DC Extended Universe. So from Man of Steel to Wonder Woman 1984. That's going to be crazy. 
Or Snyder Cut, whichever happens first. Probably um, have to be Snyder. Yeah, Snyder, because they say it's canon now. Yeah. Alien. Did we decide to include Alien vs. Predator movies? Um, I'm going to say... Then you'd have to put Predator in there. Um, I, I don't consider then no. I consider okay, gonna, yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> what I would say. If they had made a third Alien vs. Predator movie, which is what their goal was, they still might technically make that one day. You're muffled again. Your your mic's going off again. Hello, can you hear me? There you go. Okay. So nobody really cares about these series that much anymore, so these sub-series isn't getting made, although they could make a third one if they wanted to. But, um... I would say if they make a third one, we do that franchise. But okay. s- since they won't, the franchises on their own are enough. Like, there's four Predator movies, I believe, and there's a bunch of Alien movies. So, might as well. The Tolkien universe. So, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we go Hobbit first. I am not going to make it to The Hobbit. I will fall asleep during every here's, single one of those. I think, here's the thing. I think it's about finding the right day to watch them. Not right before we talk about them, but watch them at a time where you feel lazy and can sit through a long, lazy movie. That's all. It's just, that's, that's how I'm approaching it with this. I'm finding like when I come home and like no one's there and no one's going to bother me and nothing's a big deal. Or Peter and I are done doing our thing with the show and we have some time to kill. Like, just sit down and relax. And then right. Lord of the Rings is the one that's going to actually engage us with the story. Like, I'm looking at The Hobbit as just a big old long chill sesh. <laughs> I'm not, no challenging, no nothing. If I wanted to take a nap, I could, and then maybe go yep. back and watch them later. But I don't think you should watch those Hobbit movies right before we do the show. But I think eventually those movies are going to get you excited for Lord of the Rings. I think this world is great. Um... Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm excited for that. I'm kind of for excited the, to go back to. For the first three. Like, the first three are just, like, there's madness, but I love it. I love it. Um, I've never seen the other two. I don't think I've ever seen five, so that's just a new movie for me to watch. Fast and Furious. Hell yes. Um, Burton's Batman. So from Batman 1989 to Batman and Robin. Nipples. Mm-hmm. The Marine. <laughs> I can't believe I got that on there. <laughs> um, Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, including Creed. The Creed movies. Um, the live-action TMNT movies. Ooh. Um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So, all the Harry Potter movies, plus Fantastic Beasts, and we are Holy starting with Fantastic shit. Beasts. Oh, man. Which I'm happy about. <laughs> yeah, get those out of the way. Evil Dead. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, Back to the Future. Oops. The best trilogy of all time. Um, the Cornetto trilogy. I'm very excited for that. See here, uh, Kung Fu Panda for the win. 
I seriously want to talk about Kung Fu Panda 2. And also, Peter, just so you know, if we land on Kung Fu Panda 2, I made a promise on this show that I will talk about at length about that fan about a fan fiction that I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Alex told me of it, but he didn't tell me about it. <laughs> That's my story to tell. Oh my god, I can't wait. Oh. <laughs> um I am literally tempting the wheel. Like, do it. I want them to do it. Um <laughs> Daniel Craig's 007. So, Casino Royale to Spectre. You know, I've heard that it's actually pronounced Ooh, Seven. <laughs> That's not true. Oh, okay. Um, lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Learn how to spell. There we go. Shane Black. Um, the Naked Gun movies. Mm-hmm. And finally, look who's talking. That is going to be so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) And apply wheel changes. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, man. We're embarking on a new journey. Like, I had... Oh, man. Peter, if you thought the... If you thought the um, the satisfaction of getting a movie, imagine what it would feel like if you got a whole series to you. Oh, um, my God. The power, man. I don't know <laughs> if I could handle it. So I'm going to start sharing. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's happening. Oh, my God. And Zach's not here to I'm rush the process. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Peter, don't say anything until I announce it, okay? Well, you can react, okay. but don't say what it is, because that's my okay. job. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's all good. All right. Here we go, everybody. Into 2021. Oh, Three, two, one. Spin! Oh, 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 no! 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 Oh, no! Oh, my God, no! Oh, my God, no! 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 God dang it! God damn it! That sounds like... That sounds like... That sounds like... Let me guess. No, 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 no. Let me say it, let me say it. Ladies and gentlemen, the next series of movies we will be reviewing on the Meister Movie Podcast... The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm crying. Oh, that is a. I got it, guys. I'm gonna tell you something that happened today. I was legit kicked in the balls with a soccer ball, but this hurts more. This was a swift kick. It's a swift kick in the balls. Oh, oh my god. Okay, alright, okay. Wow. Alright. Oh my god, Peter. Uh, I just I just well, messaged I nice. just messaged Zach. It was nice knowing you. It was nice knowing you, man. I can't wait to, you know maybe there's one or, I don't know if there's any of these you want to join, but like yeah. Oh god. Oh my god, we're doing fantastic beasts and where to find them. First, though, oh, yeah. we're getting that jump first. Come on. 
Um, Zach's okay. only words. Oh boy. <laughs> oh man. We're in for we're in for the long haul. He says. That's how many movies? That's. Okay, 10? so that's okay. No, um. That's like three months. Oh, we're doing this. Geez. We're doing this for three months. Okay. Okay, hold on. So we so we haven't done a series this long since Star Wars. Think we about that. Star Wars was a lot. Star Wars was a lot. Nine movies, says Zach. But there's Fantastic Beasts, I, though. I'm wondering if he's counting. So that's 11. I don't know if he's counting that. I don't, I don't think he is. So let's say, let's say, okay, so there's Stone, Chambers, Azkaban. I'm going to hate... Fire. The Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm just going to tell there's, you right there's now. Another, there's another one coming there's out, three. isn't there? There's ten. Not right I now. When it, when's the next one coming out? I don't know. The, the, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's supposed to come out, but it is like held on because of COVID and Johnny Depp. Oh, right. right. And, so, to a less, and to a lesser extent, I think J.K. Rowling, too. Yes, or they just, they just don't care. No, it's, she's supposed to write the script. She's but she's script. crazy. So she's crazy, and also people all re- are universally after two movies recognize she's not good at writing scripts. <laughs> Listen, I will. Here's how this is gonna go. We're gonna do Fantastic Beasts first because that's because canon- canonically that's how that goes. Yeah. Um, and plus. Alex demanded that we do that first because he wants to get this out of the way first. There are ten films. I'm pretty sure that there are ten films. Ten films. I'm pretty sure. So, here's something interesting. That that, though my mother is in love with Harry Potter, she goes to bed to those movies all the time. The only Harry Potter movie that I have sat through all the way to from beginning to end, I think, was Goblet of Fire. Wow, really? Okay, so that's good. At least one of us has not done this. So, all right, sweet. One of us is not running the gauntlet. One of us is running the gauntlet on his own. Cool. Got it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, get to, you get to actually get to experience this. You get to have a good time. I mean, I'm sure you've seen... Things about it and know things about it because of your mom, but like to actually sit down and watch these movies. And that's going to be really interesting because the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, I don't think that they hinder on you having seen the series too much. I And also, I don't think it matters because they suck. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I actually did the script to my school's um, review show. And we reviewed this movie, and um, I co-wrote that script. I wonder if I can find that video. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him? Yeah, on the first movie. Like, here's the thing. I went and watched it and wrote my review of it. I was like, I didn't hate it, but I'm really curious to see where that I stand on it now. Especially given all the context that Alex has poured onto it now. Um, So... We'll see. We'll see what happens. This is going to be crazy, man. Three months. Three months. Three months. We've run, we, we have run that, we've run that risk. Um, we, this is what we, we signed yeah, up for. Dude. 
it's it's not like other like Star Trek would be longer if we ever did it, but this is I think so. This and DCU were the longest ones we had, right? And Fast and Furious. Yes. Fast and Furious had eight. Had eight though. Right. And their Fast and Furious had eight. DCU had Man of Steel. Oh, pretty close. Pretty close. And then there's the hours of the Justice League cut. Yeah, we so got away. Let me just say, we got away with doing an episode of our school review program that is broadcast live. We managed to do an episode on Sausage Party. That is an accomplishment of ours. (laughs) Love that movie. Love that movie. Good movie. Very good Um, movie. Shoot. I just got scared by my own media player. Um... All right, okay, so, so this Harry Potter. Gary. <laughs> I don't know, Peter. I guess Peter was, we're going to see in three months. Oh, my oh God. yes, I found it. I found no, it. no, I, I mean, I, I grew up with, with the Harry Potter movies. I did not grow up with the Fantastic Beats. Beasts. Obviously. I don't, is, there's a second one, right? Uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I hate and it. That's, that's the one that's out, right? That's yeah, so that's the one. That's out. the most recent one, yes. Okay, I I pretty sure I skipped that one. So maybe I've not seen it either. I don't know. Possibly unlucky you. <laughs> I I can't. I actually can't remember. But I mean, if if you'll have me, I'll I'll do my best to to be yeah, on absolutely. here with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, hold on. I just gotta make sure I actually. You're muffled again, Alex. You're muffled again. Can you guys hear me? Stop sticking your phone down your pants. I can't help it. It feels good. Well, just make it silent so then it doesn't feel good. Why don't you guys talk lower for me? So what? Yeah. My voice is naturally low, so I don't have to. Um, I. I would say the thing that, that that I think we can all admit is that we're all gonna miss spinning the wheel for three months. I mean, we could just do it just because. <laughs> we, we're not gonna do whatever it lands on, but we can make a new wheel where it's not movies. It's just like we eat something or something fun. Okay, Alex. Alex, here's what I'll do. If we if we get burnt out, somehow either. You, me, Zach, or even Peter. If either, if any of us get burnt out, we will stop and we will do toys. Deal, 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 deal. We will do toys and then resume. Deal, bro. Absolute deal. Are you kidding me? He's quiet. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he's thinking about it or. I think he fell out of the tree. <laughs> Yeah, Let me see yeah. what Zach keeps saying. You guys finished recording? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> we're hold on. We're about to. Actually, let me message him. No, we're about to. We're no, bro. Deal? Are you kidding me? Deal. Absolute deal. Rap. Okay. It looks like Alex is down for the count. No, Alex. What happened? Oh, did his phone? Did his phone go? His phone. Uh, wipe. Okay, hold on. So I'm gonna share the link. 
Okay. I'm gonna share the link to that review that we did. I I don't remember exactly what I wrote. I just know that I I I was in that I was in that room. Um, Make sure to put that link in the description of the of this episode. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I might. There he is, Alex. What happened? Zach was calling me on Messenger and it kicked me off this. <laughs> what a douche. So what do you phone. did you hear my proposal though? Did you mean at least what managed it? Okay, Alex, if at any point any of us get burnt out from the series, we will stop on whatever movie we are watching, take a break, and watch toys. Yes. Oh my god. I said deal. I said deal so many times, countless times I said deal. Chris. That is one of the greatest ideas I've ever heard in my life. One, because I don't know if we're going to need it or not. We probably will. But also, there's a part of me that's like, I really want to see toys. But then there's a part of me that's like, I want to see how far I can push this. I want to see how far I can go. But I guarantee... So now he's going to he's gonna egg on people. Like, Are you, do you feel tired? No. You should sit down. Yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like, honestly, that it'll probably be around the Half-Blood Prince Order of the Phoenix stage that's when things start to get a little like we're stringing things along i think the worst movie or at least my least favorite is the second to last one the last one's great but the, the, i feel like either half-blood prince or order of the Phoenix is just stretching out things i think that was really good about, i don't know again alex Hello? can you hear me you're good you're good you're good yep Okay, so I, I just feel like that's probably when it's going to happen, but Toys was a good fucking choice, bro, because Toys is banana brains, bonkers, bullshit. Yeah. Brains. And Robin yeah. Williams. More yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah. Dude, LL Cool J. Oh, my God. You guys don't know what you, you don't know what you just did, dude. Also, you don't Alex, I, t- I shared the link to the, uh, the, the video of our school's review. That I wrote. I did not oh. star in this. I don't think. I don't think I starred in this one. I, I remember I did the. I remember I did the uh, Moana one, and I got away with the race joke. Uh, oh, I what? Oh my God! I was in this one. I did star in this. So I wrote and starred in this review. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so you guys can watch that in real time with my with me and my friend Nate. Um, shout out to you, Nate. Um, so yeah, there you go, everybody. We're doing Harry Potter. <laughs> it's ten movies, the longest we've done since Star Wars. Holy shit, man! It was gonna be X Men. It was gonna be X Men until be a Windows oh, update, Brian Singer, and alcohol. Um, yes, all of those things. I will take Harry Potter over uh, over uh, X Men. I think that's where we would have gotten uh, burnt out. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, what? maybe not because yeah, the inevitability of seeing Logan, I think would have driven us. Here's the thing. I think you, Chris, having not seen so many of these is what's going to make this fun yeah. because for, I grew like Peter grew up on these. I grew up reading the first three books. I think there is a charm to Chris Columbus's early work, even though a lot of people don't think those movies have aged well. They're, it's going to be a fun journey for you to see that through your eyes, to hear some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, uh, to see some of the faces that you know so well these days grow up. It, it, it'll be interesting because at least one of us, one of us hasn't seen all of these movies. 
Yes. Um, like, I grew up around it. I did not grow up with it. So, um, there you go. Like, so there you go, everyone. Harry Potter. We're starting Woo! next time with Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Jesus. I'm going to no. do my best. Now, I just want to get this done before we wrap here and possibly have Zach. Zach apparently wants to get on now. Um, at least that's what I'm, and that's what I'm concluding. Anyway, um, I'm gonna do my best not to freak out next ep- next episode because <laughs> when I remember, I don't remember hating this movie. I actually remember like liking it, and so I know Alex, you don't like it, but like I'm gonna try to not freak out and. Not lose my cool. Just gonna. That's. I feel bad that I have to. I have to make that known, but just thought I would. Just. I I, I tend to. I tend to like bring put I incept ideas into people's brains about movies. I don't think this is a good movie. I think the key idea is the fact that J.K. Rowling wrote the scripts for both these movies. And she had never written scripts before. She never. She wasn't even a a published author before the Harry Potter books. She just wrote them, and people enjoyed them. And I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that. But most people agree that she's not like the best writer ever. And then she gets into a medium in a form that she's never written before. Yeah, I don't think she's good at writing movies. That's probably the strongest thing about it. Outside of that, there are things I like about this. People I like about it, but. I think the movie has problems for sure, but I think the biggest problem is when you compare them to the streamlined nature of the actual Harry Potter movies. To start those movies, to go through the big, the good versus evil arc that is that series, and then end it on these two pieces of shit would have just drained us. So to start with them, to give them a good reaming, but also understand what the world is. And then enter Harry Potter and be like, when when I love the idea that we're going to watch these two movies, shit on them, enjoy the world, and then when Hagrid walks up to Harry and says, you're a wizard, Harry, we're all going to feel that. We're, we're going to believe him, and Harry's going to be the one in the magical ride. Now, I understand to a certain extent that that original movie was supposed to be like, we're supposed to be Harry, but like everyone knows about Harry Potter now. The world is out there. Even if you haven't seen these movies, Chris, you grew up with that world around you. Sort of like, to a certain extent, you grew up with Star Wars, and that's the one you attached yourself with. Seems to a certain extent, you could have attached yourself with Harry Potter. It seems like you had choices. So to start with these two movies, get the world shit all over them for a little bit, and then enter into the actual world of Harry Potter and see how we got to this point, how how we got to like this, like, carbon copy commercialized bullshit is going to be great and then we'll end it on this great battle movie and this great ending and then we'll be done with it and then toys in there somewhere <laughs> maybe uh that's only Ooh. if we get burnt out i think we will i think we will um i just so, it's a lot of movies it's a lot of movies so there you go everybody um i'm gonna end it there thanks everybody for listening And uh, we'll see you for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Say goodbye, guys. I love you! Chris, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Thanks. It's it's not your fault. fault. Hey, Peter.
Hey, Peter. Hey. All the protesters at the Capitol were named Peter. <gasps> ah! it, it's not your fault. 